Hey, welcome to the film podcast. Um, once again, I am myself still. I haven't changed my body. I'm Ricardo, and I'm joined by Marvin, uh, and I'm Adam. Adam, one of the original Avengers. It's true. We don't have a um, a, a drop where it's like people clapping, but here is this one. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a Great Lakes Avenger. I've I've come in as like like a shitty backup. <laughs> what is it? You like Alpha Flight? Yeah, Alpha yeah. Flight. The, the Canadian yeah. Avengers. I'm like Immortal Man. Like I'll people will keep keep trying to kill me, and then I'll just come back very painfully. <laughs> Adam, um, what Avenger would you be if you were one of the original Avengers? If I was one of the original Avengers? Yeah. I have no idea, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. They should have never given us this thing, dude. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy how it's the default. (laughs) (laughs) I should add more things to it. Um, I got to add the... I'd buy that for a (laughs) dollar. Yeah. I'll add it in post. Yeah, do it. Um, just, just put it put it randomly in post, like yeah. DJs do on like Power One Hundred Six, where they just throw in the the horns during a random song for no reason. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, it it ha- it helps. It adds to the song yeah, every time. Yeah. Definitely yeah. helps when it's not on beat or just randomly put in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So this week we're talking about our Amazon Prime. Is it so the 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 app is called Prime Prime Video Prime Video. It's not helpful because when no, you go no. on the website, it's Amazon Prime, right? And yeah, but Amazon have... Prime is also like the the service that gives you free shipping. Yeah, so like so, so everything like falls into that that category. But then Amazon has a separate app called Prime Video, which is just the stuff you can watch streaming on your phone. So, yeah. yeah, right. But but then even on the site, it's just more confusing because like oh, when yeah. you when the way when you search and it like pulls it up like you're searching for a product on Amazon. I'm like, well, no, I want to search in the video app. Don't yeah, take the, me. The, the the other thing that really bothers me about the app itself is that there's a toggle when you first open. It's a toggle in the top right that says show only stuff I can watch for free. Right. So basically, whatever plan I have, this is stuff I can watch right now. Right. Mm hmm. And then you do a search, and then it starts showing you stuff you can't. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they just added that. It it wasn't always there. Yeah, exactly. But, like, the toggle is just for the home page if you're browsing, I guess. Like, it's quite annoying. (laughs) Yeah. But but the cool thing about Amazon, though, is that, like, because, like, they're not, like, the the front runner for streaming services, and they're trying to get, like, a foothold in the industry for streaming – there's like a wide variety of like mainstream stuff, mainstream stuff, but also like really weird stuff. And it's kind of what makes it really interesting as a streaming service. It's, it reminds me of early Netflix. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely like weird stuff that's I mean, Netflix did embrace that in the beginning, like where they were like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to put weird stuff on here. Like mm-hmm. we just bought we bought all the Canon's filmography. So we're going to we're going to show it. Um, but but uh, I think now Amazon's become that that streaming service that like just is like well we bought all this stuff let's just put her on here yeah but it's like doing that plus what netflix studios is doing which is like making their own originals but like they're only making originals that are like they think are going to be like awards busters it's like it's really interesting their their strategy um and it's kind it kind of makes a really interesting catalog 
I think what what's stranger or different about Amazon is it, I feel like it's much easier for smaller filmmakers to just put their movies up here than it would oh, be for, for Netflix. Sure. And that's oh, why yeah, there's so ne- much crap. Yeah, it's it's like um, Netflix has they used to let almost anything on. Now they're very stringent and they're very focused on originals, right? Whereas the Amazon publishing process is actually still pretty easy. As long as you have an aggregator, um, you can kind of get on Amazon by yourself. Like you can go through, um, uh, you can go through a, a distributor if you want, but a lot of people actually just put it up themselves. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously it makes for like a dumping ground for some th- stuff, there's, but there's some stuff on Amazon you would never see anywhere else because it's just so strange is there anything you guys have recently watched that you want to confess to right now any any movie sins do you i i have one but i don't know if i should you should go first i watched um over the weekend i watched extraction the new chris helmsworth movie oh okay it was really fun i really really enjoyed it um it's a like first time director he's like a stunt guy this is the guy who did the stunts for Atomic Blonde, uh, Deadpool Two. So like he comes from like the um, like the same camp as the guys that did um, John Wick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he did Avengers Endgame. He basically did a, most of the. What's um, Sam Hargrave the, the director? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Hargrave has for a long time for both Marvel and DC been one of the top stunt guy, stunt team guys. Like he he kind of run has developed especially for Marvel there um fight choreography style in fact he's he's uh captain america's like like stunt double yeah him and um the guy who is daredevil stunt double they both go on and off for him i've felt this for a while like you have a lot of like actors that have tried to be like the next big action star mm-hmm. meaning like they're, they're trying to be the next arnold because stallone mm-hmm. is a different type of action star i think but definitely there's no one that's felt like arnold's arnold Schwarzenegger's like shoes I mean, The Rock, kind of, but not really. Like, he's got an interesting, like, career right now. Um, but he's I think... the closest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the closest. E- even, like, in the rundown, like, there's, a there's like, a nod. Like, Arnold's yeah, in it. a literal for, like, nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he's, he's come the closest. But I don't know. After watching this movie, like, Chris Helmsworth has a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of charisma. He's funny. And I mean, he's a way better actor than Arnold ever was, <laughs> but, um, but I, it, it felt like that vibe, like that eighties vibe where it's just like action and it's like, eh, it's light on story, but it doesn't matter because you're having fun and that's all that, that matters. Yeah. As long as you have that, that, that central main action star to kind of just like commando has no story really. Like, no, no. <laughs> it's just like, about him. Uh, jumping through windows and tearing seats out of cars and throwing people you know it's like that's all you need <laughs> yeah yeah which is weird like why, why why tear the seat out like you're not that big you'd you'd fit into the car it's it's no, to so demonstrate hide. his strength that's true that's true so he... why did he why did he pull up the entire phone booth instead of opening the phone booth and just punching <laughs> the guy in the face yeah he literally... <laughs> oh man he literally picked up the whole phone booth oh my god i forgot about that Commando has the most beautiful score ever. It's got the steel drums. Oh yeah, the steel drum. My friend and I always joke about the steel drums. <laughs> like you know that guy. It's not like... a joke. It's no laughing matter. <laughs> the composer was like, "One day I'm gonna have steel drums in my score, 
Yeah. I'm just waiting it, for the person to let me. And then... It's James Horner. It's James Horner? Yeah. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not his, his only foray into using steel drums either. He's got oh, 48 hours and another 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anything else you guys want to confess to watching? Well, I... Okay. This is embarrassing. No, um, say it. <laughs> I have been watching... I don't know if many people in general have heard of this. Uh, did you know that Street Fighter used to have a TV show? Like an animated show, right? Or An or... animated show like yeah. X-Men. It was called Street Fighter the Animated Series, but most yeah. people know of it as Street Fighter USA because it's like the American version of Street Fighter, but it's also aired on USA Network. Mm. This sounds so familiar. <laughs> yeah, so it... It's okay. <laughs> so you guys remember like X-Men or like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the, the, the 90s show. cartoon. Yeah, exactly. So the they're pretty decent, but like there's times where you're like, wow, that animation is really bad or wow, the story is really bad. Right. But, yes, you know, it's definitely. more it's but it's like a hit or miss sort of thing. Right. Sometimes it's really great. Sometimes it's really awful. Right. Um, so imagine they took all of the awful from those shows <laughs> and that's just this show. <laughs> like, 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 for example, um, there's a scene where Balrog, he's the boxer, right? So he works, bo he wears boxing gloves at all times. Um, and he, he's a, he's a commando or a command, one of the hench henchmen for, for M. Bison. So he has to work on a computer. So he's just punching buttons on the computer with his boxing gloves on. Um, so they have to figure out how to do that instead of just taking them off. So they have like the gloves like bend around his fingers <laughs> somehow. Oh no. <laughs> also, there's a is a I think my favorite episode is the episode where they have the um uh the final fight that characters cameo and it's just like there's a scene where uh, there's a DJ, he's like running out with this horrible racist Jamaican accent saying this is the part this is the party or something. And then as he runs out, they animated the perspective wrong. So as he gets closer to the camera, he shrinks versus <laughs> getting bigger. Stuff like this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Guile is the star of the show because he's an American, despite the fact that the poster child for Street Fighter is Ryu. But they're like, ew, a Japanese man. Very <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's 26 episodes of this shit. So <laughs> I've just been watching random episodes. And um, it was on, on USA Network? It was on USA Network at one point. But now you can, like, randomly find them on YouTube because uh, no one's enforcing copyright in that shit. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, there's, like, in, like, the second episode, like, they're they're part of an, an elite secret agent team called Street Fighter. <laughs> Which oh, doesn't make any sense. And then they get, they get uh, their assignments, like, Mission Impossible style. Like, someone will <laughs> hand them a signal, right? And they go, but the signal's always SF. So in like the second episode, for example, right? Uh, Guile orders room service, right? And when he, the room service arrives, it's sandwiches, but they've been cut into the shape of SF. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows, well, I got another assignment. Um, <laughs> this is, yeah, that, and you know, for, for a show called Street Fighter, there's not like a lot of like street fighting or fighting, really. It's kind of just a lot of like, M. Bison shooting lasers out of his hands and like 
um, they were trying to do like a GI Joe sort of thing, where, mm. where like their yeah. their um, their 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 like motto is justice, truth, commitment, <laughs> like <laughs> as their like thing. And uh, yeah, it's like if you want to like get a glimpse as to what it's like, it there's a u- video on YouTube called Street Fighter Stupidity. Um, and if you if you just look that up, it's like a compilation of all the dumbest moments. And as you're watching it, you go, oh, man, this has got to be like. Like everything that's dumb just distilled down into one video. Right. And then you watch a random episode and you realize, no, it's not like the entire <laughs> episode is like just like that the entire time. And it's um, the, oh. they they just put um speaking of of animated shows they just put gi joe on on uh youtube by the way oh all of it for free yeah yeah, yeah. hasbro like dumped all the episodes and it's they're good. i just started watching it it's pretty cool <laughs> i, I wish they would do it. that for some of their because you know hasbro has their own like channel i forget what it's called yeah yeah it's like that it's like their own cable network it's like they're 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 going all out. They're going all out. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but their, but their cable network had like this really awesome GI Joe show called GI Joe Commandos, I think. And mm-hmm. um, it was like basically if you took GI Joe but made them do the A team, and it was oh, great. Yeah, it was actually that, I would watch that. It was actually quite good. Um, you know, for like a kids TV show, like Hasbro did like when they started that channel. I think it was called the Hub or something. Um. They had like a lot of great TV. Like this is where My Little Pony came from, for example, right? That big resurgence. But the thing people also missed over was like they did like tran- like Transformers as a reboot, and that Transformers reboot was really good. And The Rock actually stars in the first episode, um, and he's quickly killed off because they can only afford him for one episode. <laughs> but but you know it's like it was actually a pretty decent show. And this uh, uh, GI Joe Commandos show is pretty good too. So like I hope they put stuff like that up too because I don't think they even show that on the hub anymore so i gotta check that out that sounds pretty cool lead team gi joe um adam is there anything you want to uh talk about that you've watched recently man i can't even remember what i've been watching i feel like it's everything just blurred together and it's mostly <laughs> like movies that that my son wants to watch so like so troll bits world and tour. pieces of trolls world tour or like whatever disney plus movie is on um yeah, I don't know. Every everything is blurring together. Time okay. is a flat circle, and yeah. nothing makes sense. <laughs> That's true. That's starting to reach that 100%. point where it's you know all... what? You know what that deserves? Um. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Let's do the list. Let's do the list. Um. Again, we're talking about Amazon recommendations. Uh, I'll go first this week. Uh, I think it's my turn. I've let everybody go first the last few weeks. Um. All right. The first movie I want to talk about is from 1997. It's Francis Ford Coppola's last good movie. Oh. Um, I'm talking about The Rainmaker. Um, uh, have you has have you guys seen this movie by any chance? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Oh, it was actually, one of those like always on TV movies. Yeah. Like all, yeah. Uh, TNT. If it wasn't Shawshank Redemption, it was The Rainmaker. Yeah. This, so this is um, based on a John Grisham novel so um i feel like i still have not seen a bad john grisham adaptation i may be wrong i'm but just kind of quickly going over them in my head i mean like a time to kill runaway jury they're not they're not bad movies they're all pretty good but uh this one's directed Mm. um by francis for coppola 
Have you? And did you know Christmas with the Cranks is a John Grisham movie? Oh yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that, so that may be it. That may be it. That may be it. Um, it stars Matt Damon, Danny DeVito, Claire Danes, John Voight, um, Dean Stockwell, and uh, Mickey Rourke. Screen that. Um, it's basically like this kid who's who's like he doesn't even he hasn't even passed his bar exam. Like he's still he's still not a full fledged lawyer. Uh, he gets hired by Mickey Rourke's like firm to represent this like um this really like he's like an uh, it's an underdog like uh David and Goliath case mm-hmm. and uh, he takes it on and he's basically Dan Dan DeVito is like his his co counselor and they uh they they both don't have a they haven't passed the bar exam so the whole movie like they're trying to f- pass the bar exam and like litigate this case. And like the law firm's kind of sketchy that they work for. It's it's a really really good movie. Um, I really enjoy it. Enjoy it. I recently watched it a couple months ago, and I think it still holds up. It's still really 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 good. Um, and it's early Matt Damon. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Danny DeVito when he does like like serious stuff. Like everyone now, he'll if he died right now, he'll he will only be known as Frank. From it's always sunny but <laughs> <laughs> just like a horrible disgusting human being <laughs> but he's uh roles like this uh, are like the things i like him in um and mickey rourke is uh really good in this too he plays his character's name is called bruiser so that's all you need to know <laughs> and it's, it's very on on character yeah yeah so um that's my first pick the rainmaker uh courtroom drama that's a good start yeah, Adam, you want to take it away? All right. Well, my first pick is a 2017, let's see, Chinese action movie, originally released as Shockwave Tunnel, but released in America just as Shockwave. Um, oh. It is bonkers, and I love every minute of it. It's like a weird mis- mishmash of like heat meets blown away meets something else like it's just a crazy movie where like andy lao is a bomb disposal expert who starts out the movie going undercover in a bank robbery gang and he catches the guy's brother and the guy wants to get revenge and it's so convoluted and so crazy oh and then the other movie is um daylight because at the end the, the the last act of the movie is this guy wants revenge and so he basically takes an entire tunnel, like an underground tunnel between mainland China and another <laughs> another part of the country. He takes the entire <laughs> tunnel hostage and he's going to blow it up with everybody inside of it. And he says that Andy Lau has to come in and like negotiate the release of all these hostages. And it's it's insane. And I love every minute of it. Andy Lau, he's the guy from Infernal Affairs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I really like him. Uh, so wait a minute. So it's Heat, Daylight, and what else? Uh, heat, daylight, and blown away. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, in Chinese. <laughs> in Chinese. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, how, how old is this movie? Three years old. Oh, so it's re- it's a recent. Yeah, movie. it's very recent. It's so it like it's. I saw the trailer for it. I was like, "This is crazy! I have to watch it." And I, it's just a lot of fun. It's a really fun movie. That's bonkers. Like it's. Every time you think you've got it figured out, I was like, actually, no, we're gonna we're gonna be this other thing now. 
gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take the sharp des- left yeah when you described it i thought definitely like an early early 90s late <laughs> yeah, 80s no, this movie. is 2017 and like you will never through the entire movie you will never be right about what's going to happen next <laughs> it, it, it always just finds a way to mess with you i enjoy that the main I'm, I'm reading about it i'm enjoying that the main villain has nicknamed himself blast yeah <laughs> just to, just to really d- like you know drive it in what his intentions are yeah it's very much like it uh it's definitely inspired by 90s movies like the fact that you thought it was a 90s movie probably would make the filmmakers feel really good about what they've done it's like yeah that's right we we did it we recreated a 90s action movie three as a matter of fact and are there are they are there sequels because this seems like a like a movie that would have sequels uh not so far okay okay man we've had set a a trend of uh, talking about bonkers um overseas movies last week we 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 talked about um what was it? Bleeding Not steel? real steel. What is it? Bleeding steel. That's Bleeding right. Real steel. steel is the jo- the Hugh Jackman movie. That's right. Just a robot right. out, out of box, box. <laughs> <laughs> which is a bonkers movie onto itself. Robot Rocky. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. All right. Shockwave. Just two years old, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. All right. I'm into that. I mean, so based on on that that description, I'm 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 sold on it. It's um, a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, Marvin, what do you, what's your first uh, recommendation? So my recommendation is something that uh, Amazon actually has been like kind of promoting a lot. So it's, it's a pretty obvious choice, but I really, really love this show. Um, it's the boys. Um, nice. Which is, uh, based on the comic book by Garth Ennis. And if you know Garth Ennis, you basically understand the premise of the of the, sh- the show right away because Garth Ennis writes comic books but he writes comic books where he shows off that he hates comic book tropes you know like when he did his punisher run he explicitly wrote the punisher to be like able to outsmart all the superheroes right because he kind of hates the other superheroes um so the boys the premise of it is basically that what if you had the justice league and but they were like super corporate and super evil well that's that's redundant uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they're just, they're very corporate, um, yeah. and that's literally the premise. And basically, the inciting action is that the main character, um, who is uh, his name's Hugh, but he's called Huey a lot. Um, his girlfriend is killed because this world's equivalent of the Flash runs through his girlfriend, and and she explodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. so the entire show is then like. This guy, who's the leader of a group called the Boys, um, finds him, and he comes to realize they're all trying to kill these superheroes. And that like wronged him. That wronged right? him. Yeah. yeah, and that's the premise of the show, and it's fascinating because, like, I think it's one of those rare comic book movies where it directly appeals to people who like not comic book shows or properties in general, that directly appeals to people like comic book material but also people who hate comic book material like like uh, my girlfriend sarah she like kind of hates comic book movies <laughs> for the most part but she really loves this show because it's very clearly aping on not just like the dc like justice league setup but it's also like aping on like some marvel stuff 
especially like the way Marvel media in general is kind of incorporated these days. And yeah, it's, 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 I, it's just, it's just really interesting in that way, how it appeals to both. I really, really enjoyed the show. I had never read the comic book, but, mm-hmm. and it was definitely a shock when, when, yeah, I mean, we should, we should, we should have said spoiler alert with, the, with the whole running of the, no, it's the very the first thing. Yeah. It's yeah. the very first thing. Yeah. So yeah. It, I, I don't consider that a spoiler. Yes, There's so many right, other spoiler right. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They're basically like the Justice League, but they're assholes. Yeah. They, they just become completely corporate. And the, the fascinating part is that the Superman character is like, it does Man of Steel better than Man of Steel because, like, <laughs> the, the idea of Man of Steel, well, now in the meta interpretation of it, is that what if Superman was kind of scary, right? So it's like, yeah. what if Superman really was terrifying? And that's the like the main villain of the show. And it's super interesting in that way. Another thing that's really interesting about it is that, um, uh, Aaron Moriarty plays a character named Starlight, and she is the only member of this Justice League who is like actually a good person. And I'm really happy to see her in this role because before she was just like this victim character in Jessica Jones in the first season. Uh, she was the one who was um, like Kilgrave's uh, like victim that Jessica Jones has to save. And I always felt like uh, this actor had like a lot more chops, like she could do something more interesting. And she really gets to show off what she can do in this show, which is really fun. Uh, the other fun thing is that um, in the in the original Garth Ennis novel, um, the main character was modeled almost explicitly to look like Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he looks just like him down to the white yeah. shirt and tie. And then... Uh, Sean, Simon Pegg's in the mo- in the show, <laughs> but as Huey's dad, because now he's too old to actually play Huey. <laughs> so it's like a good nod towards like, yeah, we should bring him on. But, you know, and he has this like American accent that he actually does pretty well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just an interesting. It's like such a it's like such a campy like premise for a show, but it ends up being like really, really like well made. Have you read the whole run of the comic book? I have not read the whole run. I read I read the uh, initial run when it came out, but that was like back in like college. Like I don't quite remember anymore. Oh, okay, okay. I'm wondering like how closely they are they're following like the comic book. Uh to some degree they are, if okay. I remember correctly. Okay. Um I I think uh Carl Urban's character Yeah, Carl Urban's in it, by the way, as Billy Butcher. <laughs> really good. Yeah, he's, he's really fucking good. great. Um, his character is a little different from what I remember. Huey's almost exactly the same, except um, I think uh, in this show, Huey is a little um, less inclined to go towards the violence, whereas in the comics, I think he was like, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> like, way more. <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, I don't, it's been a while. It's been like literally a decade. <laughs> so, I, oh, wow. I really like the, um, just because I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Aquaman. Uh, I like the their Aquaman character in this show. Yeah, it's, it's just like a piece of shit. <laughs> they, they they do they do an ex, like a very explicit Me Too thing with him. Yeah, where like, yeah. Where like he not to spoil anything, but he does something awful at the right at the beginning of the show, and then the entire rest of the show is actually showing the the consequences of that would be really like. And I, I like that. The show doesn't like brush over the fact that this awful thing happened. It actually directly affects everything that happens throughout the rest of the show. Um, yeah. 
and it's 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 really interesting. Um, it it writes that kind of thing better than other more serious shows would, I think. Um, which I find it found really interesting. Um, it's another show that Seth Rogen decided to to sponsor another comic book movie or show. <laughs> so he's he's really on a roll for trying to uh, get all of his comic books made into something he can watch. <laughs> it's it's the same. Is it the same comic book writer as yeah. Preacher? Preacher? It is right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what else like Seth Rogen produces that's like comic booky. Because um, so far, I mean, I haven't watched all the seasons of Preacher, but what I watched was pretty interesting and different. So, I've, yeah, allegedly it's not. I haven't seen any of it, but allegedly it's a little different. But in a it's way, it's a lot where, different. Yeah, <laughs> I I watched the first episode and I after, like I have read the whole series and I watched the first episode. I'm like, that's not the same thing. And I I didn't watch any more than that. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Is it too goofy? <laughs> that's what i heard it's very goofy and it's like just it's very goofy and very different okay okay yeah i the, like the the, the tone but of it's the still on right show. it's still on that that show i have no idea i, I, I watched I feel one like it had like three four I, seasons i know it had at least two or three i don't know if it's still okay. on but i okay. didn't watch past the first one that's interesting um what were you saying marvin we we cut you off Oh no! It's just it's just this is like uh, I have a feeling the boys is also like a much more comedic take on it, um, but it's like not like ha super ha ha funny. This <laughs> is it's just yeah. a lighter tone than I think with the original um, book. The original series I think was pretty like like Mark Miller style, kind of edgier a little bit, you know. Then you know where they're trying to go for like the real pulp stuff, um, and the show doesn't do that as much. The, the show has like kind of a lighter tone but then it gets like really dark in like a psychological way versus like uh here's all this blood and guts or although there is a lot of blood and guts too um, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's, but, it's pretty graphic yeah, <laughs> yeah all boys. the characters also like they're very i mean they're they they resemble like their their actual like dc or marvel counterparts but yeah they're very different and you know, onto themselves they, they definitely distinguish themselves I really enjoy their version of Batman, who is just some guy who never talks, <laughs> and you have no idea yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. the the C, well, it's not the CEO. It's like some high up person in the company. She's played by Elizabeth Shue, which is like the main thing I remember for, of her is like uh, Karate Kid, right? Or at least and Adventures in Babysitting and stuff like that, right? So like, I think of that, and then I see her now as this super evil character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She, um, like, she, you have this, like, memory of her being, like, this, like, nice person. And yeah. it definitely plays with you because I'm like, oh, well, Liz with the shoes in this. Oh my God, she's fucking horrible. I'm totally playing with that. Like, like, I'm not going to spoil what uh, celebrity cameos in it, but there's, like, a celebrity cameo of, like, an actor who had who's definitely past his peak, but then he comes back in the middle of the show, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is such a great choice of character for this uh, of actor for this type of character," because the act the character is also like a wash up, but he's going to like conventions to like try to like um like uh capitalize on his past success. I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's great. He's it's great. it's the moment it came up. I was like, this casting for the show is brilliant. Yeah, Carl Urban yeah. is Billy Butcher. Um, Jack Quaid surprisingly good. Um, Elizabeth yeah. Shue as the creepiest thing I've ever sh- seen her play, <laughs> and then uh, that character 
as uh the the convention character <laughs> it's like it's yeah. such a well cast show um and they all the acting is surprisingly good for a show that's like this like because because a show like this you think of it like a marvel netflix show where you're like oh the acting's passable but it's like legitimately great acting especially by carl urban and uh, the actor who plays um homelander who is um anthony like superman Star. yeah the superman uh yeah. the, the actor's anthony Starr. Apparently, the main thing he did before this was like some random shows, and I think like like Xena Warrior Princess, as, as far as I understand. But he's amazing. He's he's like the creepiest like supervillain I've ever seen, and I and I'm including um I'm including uh uh Jessica Jones uh um Purple Man yeah, yeah Kilgrave yeah he he was really good. But I think that's what kept me watching that that show was was um what's the actor's name? I'm drawing a blank. Doctor Who. Oh, David Tennant. Oh yeah, David Tennant. Oh, David Tennant, David Tennant yeah. is amazing. Yeah, that. David Tennant's Just like so amazing charming. in that. Like like it's yeah. it's similar in this show where Homelander. It's like every scene with Homelander, it gets worse and worse, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene where he's acting against the wall because he's just listening in, and he yeah. it's like amazing acting, amazing acting. Yeah, yeah he's great. it's 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 really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a great great pick. Um, all right, my next uh, recommendation is um, oh wow, I I picked another kind of like uh, these are not the happiest movies. This is this one actually has a, <laughs> some humor, but uh, the Rainmaker is kind of a downer because like he's like representing like this guy this this like young guy who has like cancer and like they're suing the insurance company and like it's a downer it's oh. kind of a downer uh but bernie um which is my next movie uh the richard linklater movie bernie, oh okay yeah, yeah um yeah. is is a little has a lot more moments of of levity and, and comedic at times um it stars jack black uh matthew mcconaughey and shirley mclean uh did any of you guys see this uh i never finished it i feel like i started watching it I never finished it either. Yeah, it's one of those movies where, like, at one point, and like, I was like just going to the movie theater to see every one of Richard Linklater's Richard Linklater's movies, and then, um, I want to say, I I forget what movie it was. I want to say it was like the third, like before Sunset movie. So it was before Midnight, the the third one. That I was like, well, that was like his best movie. I'm done. I think that's that's as good as it gets. I'm done. And uh, this, I don't know if it came after or before, but this one, I was like, I'm not going to go to the theaters. It doesn't sound that interesting. I'm just going to wait for it on video. And I finally got around to seeing it and I really, really enjoyed it. There was like a combination of like, so this, it's based on a true story about this guy who uh, was a mortician and he kind of tr- strikes up this like weird friendship slash romance with this like wealthy widow. And she is like the most, horrible person in the world <laughs> and treats him like shit and uh and at one point and, and by the way in like bernie who who's played by jack black like everyone loves him everyone loves him in, in like the mm-hmm. town it's like the small town in texas and everyone loves him and he's like beloved by the whole town and this lady's horrible horrible to everybody not just not just bernie but the whole town and um he may or may have not may not have killed her um and 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 it's like it's this like 
he's so good and like she was so bad that you like feel for him and you're like well she's was kind of a horrible person like does it really matter <laughs> um but it's based on true story and actually um the real guy um he got released early from prison and he got released into richard Linklater's custody what? so yeah 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 you could look this up this is a true wow story. why I don't, it's some weird thing and like so because richard Linklater lives in austin and so um they let him go under his custody they let him they, let, okay. they released him and he was living i want to say for like a year or two he was living in richard Linklater's like back house like he's got like a like a pool house and he was That's living crazy. there yeah yeah this was after the movie after the movie was released he was he, um the real bernie was released from jail so it's a very interesting story and how they did it was they mixed um like the actual like narrative feature with like real interviews with the people from the town that where the incident happened so it's got a combination of like real interviews and like the actual movie and it it blends like pretty seamless and i don't know it i really really enjoyed it why couldn't you finish it adam i'm curious um, I mean, it wasn't like a conscious decision. I feel like it was just one of those times where you're kind of like, oh, I'm going to see what's on. And I watched a little bit of it. And I was like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't definitely like... is one of those movies where you're like, if, cause it's, it has a very specific tone to it, which is, it's hard to describe the tone. Cause it's not a sad movie. It's not a comedy. It's like, it's a, it rides a weird wave of, of emotions that it gives you. Um, but I I could see why you would have a hard time. You, you got to be in a mood for for this type of movie. Yeah, I mean, Link later in general, I'm not always in the mood for. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like um, School of Rock, race. I'm always in the mood for. I'd be like, yeah, sure, it's on. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like you you watch his like the his like studio movies, and I'm like, man, like I actually have a lot of fun with those. Like yeah. he, I think he has a lot of fun with them. That's why that's why they're so good. I, I even think, like I think with those, he's just going to go, ah, fuck it. And he's just going to just make it as fun as he can. And then yeah. Yeah. He, don't, he, he knows it's not his like passion project, but he has enough craft that he can make them good. You know? I don't hate uh, his remake of Bad News Bears. I don't hate it. No, I, I don't have hate fun it either. It. I, I, think, yeah. I think it's perfectly fine. Like, yeah. And School of Rock is amazingly I funny. still haven't seen his remake of Bad News Bears. It's all right. I, I just you're can't mad? imagine. No, I just can't imagine. I mean, I one, I don't care. <laughs> and two, I can't imagine it being anything like the like. I feel like they're not gonna. It can't be on the par with the original, just because of the modern age. Like you. Can't oh no, get away it's, it's very different. It's it's more yeah. just letting Billy Bob Thornton being like an asshole. Like, yeah, I feel like like they just gave like they boozed up Billy Bob Thornton. They're like, ah, just just be be yourself, man. Yeah, and, <laughs> and don't stray too far from the script and yeah. then action. Yeah, no. don't drop too many f bombs because it's PG thirteen. <laughs> but you know, you get one. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, that's my my recommendation. Uh, Bernie, directed by Richard Linklater. Adam, what do you got? All right. Uh, my next choice is another what the fuck movie from two thousand eleven. It's called Bellflower. Yes. Uh, Evan Glendale. One hundred percent in. Yeah, uh, it's, and I mean, I feel like just the poster quote is kind of says it all. It's a mix of John Hughes, Mad Max, and Fight Club. No, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it's about these, these, I mean, I don't even know where to start. So these two best friends, um, 
they live in Los Angeles and they are preparing for a Mad Max style apocalypse. But it's like modern day, regular 2011 Los Angeles where we're no we're nowhere near an apocalypse. So they're just two crazy guys building a crazy muscle car and going out into the desert to build flamethrowers for no good reason. <laughs> um, and then in the midst of all that, one of them meets a girl and falls in love. And so it's romantic comedy about insane people um, that just gets darker and darker. <laughs> um, and I loved this movie so much when I saw it in theaters. Uh, it's just, it's, it's another bizarre movie. You're like, I don't understand what's happening, but I can't look away. Um, and I used to see this car driving around Los Angeles. I don't know if he still has it. Cause like he, he souped up this car himself, Evan Gladell. He made a camera himself to shoot this movie. He, uh -huh. um, he, he would actually make the, the flamethrowers. And then there's another car. Like he made two cars for this movie or modified two cars for this movie. Um, he seems like a very hands-on guy, but I love it. It's so much fun and so bonkers. Uh, he hasn't really done another movie since. Like he, it, that's kind of like it. Yeah, he had the, that other movie Canary that I feel like he made a while ago, but it still hasn't come out. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how you follow up Bellflower though, because it's so amazingly bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'd be interested to like hear this guy. Yeah, like speak or like talk about this movie. I there's not much. There's a couple interviews here and there. I mean, they it's just so weird and interesting that it did get a lot of buzz. But I don't think he, this guy's not one of those guys that kind of took advantage of it. It, it. it feels like when I watch this, like. So when I first watched like um like Brick, you were like, oh, this guy's going places. Like mm -hmm. This writer director's going places. Like you could tell right away as soon as you watch that movie that you're like, yeah. This is so different and interesting and and not different at, 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 in some ways. Um, but he has a, a unique voice. And that's how I, I felt with this guy when I watched this movie. Like, oh, this guy is definitely going places. He, he's got a very original voice. And then he went nowhere. Yeah, he <laughs> hasn't done anything. Like, this guy for me is what everybody... Oh, shit, what's his name? The guy who did Primer. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, Upstream yeah. Color. Like, yeah. in my mind, I would have rather had... <laughs> Evan Gladell like get the sort of prestige that that guy got instead, just because I like Bellflower way more than I liked Primer, and was like, oh my Shane gosh, Ruth, that's it. Yeah, oh, you're driving me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just I can't stand <laughs> his movies make me feel really dumb. Uh, what but, the Shane Carruth's movie? Yeah, like Primer and Upstream Color. I don't remember the other one, um, but I'm just, I don't know. They they seem really pretentious, and everyone seems to think he's the greatest gift of indie <laughs> filmmaking. But Evan Gladell makes like one awesome movie where he just kind of blows me out of the water and he hasn't made anything else. And I don't really hear people talk about him. Um, but I fucking love Bellflower. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so it's hard to describe because I don't get the Johnny Hughes part because it's just like Well I think anything the well, this well, reference to like the like is like when the guy and the girl are are meeting and like getting to know each other, it's sort of john hughes -esque, yeah i guess like, so yeah the boy meets girl section of it but then it's the the boy loses girl section where everything goes to hell yeah that part is so kind of weird and heartbreaking and it gets really out of hand really quickly <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's really even with that description it's you're not covering the movie 
You're not really describing a movie. Yeah, no, because you can't. There's so much. You can't because you would you'd give a you give away too much of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You just have to watch it, and, and again, like similar to Shockwave, like you just got to see it and see all the different things that actually end up happening in the movie. Yeah, this is another movie where I you definitely I don't know at least for me, it was definitely like you have to be in the mood for this movie like to accept it. I for at least for me, um. I went into it blind, so I don't like. I don't know. I just love like I had no idea what it was going to be, and I and I thought it was amazing. Um, you saw it in theaters, right? Yeah. Uh, see, I, I waited. I I saw the, the trailers, and like everyone was gonna go was seeing this movie, and I was like, ah, just wait. And I, I'm glad I did because I, I didn't go with any hype. I just I was like, oh, this movie's out on video on on DVD. I'll check it out. And uh, but definitely, I, it took me a while to like be in the mood to watch it. It's a, it's a very specific movie. I really enjoyed it too, but when, once I got got around to it, um, <laughs> damn, Adam, you're really bringing some weird choices, dude. It's well, weird. I mean, I f- the deep I f- picks. I figure with all the craziness and being stuck inside, yeah. I wanna, I just wanna go for the the weird movies to kind of shock you out of the fact that you're <laughs> stuck inside all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will definitely do that to you. For sure. Um, Marvin, what do you got? Well, uh, speaking of psychological shit. Uh, well, again, this is a movie that was sort of sort of promoted by Amazon, but I feel like um, it, it somewhat fell under the radar um, for a lot of people. Um, uh, it's a Lynn Ramsey movie, and uh, it's, the, it's the movie she made for Amazon. Uh, you Were Never Really Here. Um, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, it's essentially Lynn Ramsey's take on like the taxi driver sort of loner who has PTSD issues sort of thing. Um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays uh, this hired gun who specializes in freeing trafficked girls. And it's the movie starts out as he's doing another job and it turns very, very badly, very, very quickly. And the movie is sort of using this as a way to sort of explore his psychology as well as some of the seedier underbelly sort of things in New York. And it's really interesting because it's through the lens of Lynn Ramsey, who, you know, he, she's made like Ratcatcher and movies like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like very like character driven. It's very like, um, it's, it's very like... For a movie that's this violent and has this type of, it's a very violent movie, by the way, because his his uh his weapon of choice is just a a hardware hammer, <laughs> a hardware store hammer. So you know, uh, it's pretty fucking violent. Um, and he, he has a she has a really interesting sense of how to approach it because it's like lots of very quiet, kind of surreal moments compounded with horrific violence shot really weirdly, or unorthodox ways. Like, for example. There will there will be a scene where he is like storming one of these uh, places where traffic girls are being held, right? And it'll be shown entirely through CCTV cameras with no audio, and then um, it just cuts as it cuts away to a different angle. Time skips ahead, so you see the violence that's already been done, and then it keeps skipping ahead, and then when it goes back to him in the outside world, like the ambient noise will be like horrifically loud. It feels like they, they, they like, you know, like when you make 
you capture production sound for a movie, you know, you try to clean it up by like lowering the the outside noise as much as possible. And in this movie, it feels like they kept all of it in and then added more and then yeah. made it as yeah. loud as possible, which is a really good uh, formal technique for trying to accentuate his psychological state. Because for him, it's like the world is overbearing for him, right? So whenever he's outdoors, this is how it feels to him. It's like super loud and awful and he hates it. Um, and then the audience is getting a taste of that. But then it's like compounded with stuff like, you know, he like uh basically beats up an intruder near to death and then as the guy's lying down on the ground dying he lays down with him and they both start singing a song together like there's like <laughs> weird little things like that happening here and there um it's very interesting uh in because i think it does this type of like what like he basically played a like a a more broken version of this character for Joker when you when Joaquin Phoenix was in Joker. Yeah. And I personally think this performance, I don't like Joker very much. I'm just going to pre- preface it very right that uh first off. Um because I think Joker despite everyone saying how great Joaquin's performance is in that, I think that the movie actually doesn't do many favors by framing him and editing him incorrectly to to make the performance really stand out. Because, like, Joaquin's one of those actors where he he switches moods really fast within takes. And even from take to take, he has very different takes, right? He's, like, pretty wild as an actor. Like, I remember went to CalArts, um, uh, James Benning, came, not James Benning, um, James Mangold came over and he showed us some dailies from uh, Walk the Line. And then uh, just, like, seeing the different takes of Joaquin Phoenix and how he act so wildly different from take to take from just like regular dialogue scenes uh it's fascinating and i and i can't imagine how different it must be when he's doing like this type of movie where the psychological trauma is intense so you can tell note with that context that like the movie has taken a lot of care to kind of distill down the crazy fire that is his performance into something that's razor sharp um and I think it does that better than a movie like Joker, where it Joker is so willing to like show these long scenes, long takes of him without cutting away, and like you can see where the the you can kind of see the gear spinning in his head, and where he switches to a different mood or a different idea for performance. And at least to me, it's distracting. Whereas here, it's like perfect. It's one of the best performances in general I think he's ever given, because I think it's actually somewhat close to what he's probably feeling um just like if you you know exacerbated it to like the 10 like 10 more times that would be this character um so it's it's a fascinating movie it ends really strangely as a lot of lynn ramsey movies do but like most lynn ramsey movies uh it's like very raw and it's very well he won the oscar right am i crazy did he win the oscar for joker yeah he did Okay, okay, okay. I see. I really like Joker because of that. I'm, I like slow and low. <laughs> I like slow and long takes. That that was that's my my jam, and that's why I like the Joker because it it's very, it lets him be with his thoughts, which is scary, you know. Well, but that's but to me, I see him as an actor in that movie. I don't see him as a character. 
Um, and that's the problem for me. Whereas in You Were Never Really Here, I can see the character more. Oh, I, okay. Like I, okay. I, see, I see it very much as this is a broken man with a lot of issues. Whereas like every time like Joaquin Phoenix did the, like the, he's dancing and he does the hip thrust in Joker. I was like, that is Joaquin. That's not, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel like Joker to me, but you know, I, that's yeah. just my but take that's, on it. That's also the, like the little moments that I like. I like the, like the hip thrusts are definitely him. And like, there's a scene in Joker where like the, he just killed his coworker and, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. and then like the guy's trying to get out. And he he scares him while he's walking by, yeah. Like that that moment, and I'm like that definitely not scripted. And I I really like that moment. It I really love the Joker, not because it's a Joker movie or what. It just I really like that performance, and it's not a movie that I want to rewatch anytime soon. In <laughs> fact, I don't own it. I don't. But it's just <laughs> try it, to stay away from it. Yeah, yeah. But it, I and even when like. I saw it a little, a little. I think I, I think I saw this like maybe like a week before it came out, and it was definitely one of those things where it was like, oh man, I hope, I hope there's, I hope there's nothing crazy around this movie, and you know, thankfully it didn't happen, but it, it, it definitely, I, it could have been taken, and it, and it was there was some protest and 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 stuff, but I think it was not like enough, way blown out of proportion compared to what yeah. the movie actually is about. Like it's funny because mm-hmm. people were saying, "Oh, this is a movie about incels and stuff," and really, it was yeah. a movie about social like um, inequality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, it was really it was really about like mental Ill- illness and like what happens and, when and you don't help people. To treat yep. it. Yeah, yep. that's yep. basically what it was. Yeah. It, and that's it was... what I really. That's another reason I really yeah. dug the movie. That it had nothing to do with Batman. Have you also. seen You Were Never Really Here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I really enjoy it. And in fact, like, I there's another in in the multiverse that we <laughs> that we live in. There's a, another version of us that probably saw a Lynn Ramsey Joker movie. <laughs> that was really, really. That good. would be fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. And I probably would like it better just because she would probably bring like a really raw sense of 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 storytelling to it, which yeah. I really like. She also directed. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, yeah. Um, she is. Um, that's another person who like she stays in this like little like. I don't want to say it's a bad thing. She stays in like her comfort zone of like just specialist small mid mid like budget movies. Yeah. And um I mean she at one point was going to direct um Jane's Got a Gun, the mm-hmm. Natalie Portman movie and mm-hmm. I think like there was like problems with the studio and and it turned out she left the project, but I'm curious to see her like doing like a bigger project. Um because I don't know. I think I think she's a great director. Yeah, apparently this, this, Jude Law was attached to that, and he left because she left. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't she leave like on the first day of shooting? Yeah, yeah, she. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, She she walked off the set, and then they had a like scramble, and they they hired one guy like that week, and like it didn't work out either. And then like the guy who ended up doing it, the guy who did Warrior, right? Warriors. Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think he did it. He eventually okay, did okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you were never really here. Also scored by Johnny Greenwood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm 
I'm on board with anything Jenny Greenwood oh, does. I have a I have a like a funny story with You Were Never Really Here. So my my girlfriend Sarah and I watched it at um an arc light. And then mm-hmm. it was just like on a random Sunday, I think. And then before the movie started, uh the you know, Arc does their presentation for their movies, right? They go, yeah, Thanks everybody, yeah. welcome to the you were like never an, really in person like present like opening presentation. Yeah, it's just like an employee comes out and he goes uh, I'm I'm really excited to show you this movie, but uh, to intro the movie, here's Joaquin Phoenix, and then he just showed up in like a hoodie, looking like the character in the movie, <laughs> and and going, "Hey everybody, um, Lynn couldn't be here, but she asked me to come, uh, to talk to to you guys about the movie. Um, I hope you enjoy it. We worked really hard on it. Uh, have a have a good day." <laughs> then he walked and we were like was that really Joaquin Phoenix because you couldn't really tell because he was he had his hood up and he had the beard and everything but I guess it was him unless there was some sort of crazy performance art piece they were doing but uh, you know here we go. in conjunction with the arc light the arc light <laughs> for the people who don't know the arc light is the dome-shaped theater in Hollywood yeah yeah, yeah exactly the famous dome shape um I used to go to the arc light all the time because my friend used to work there Mm. all the time and um matthew perry used to go there all the time as well <laughs> and he got to know like all the ushers that worked there and there was some times where he would do the announcements in, in, in the beginning that's of the movie. fun that's he would fun. just get up and for a movie that he's not in right so no, no 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 yeah. just whatever he was watching he'd go yeah. get up there and do it ah um, matthew perry i'm gonna watch this movie with you guys <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah um that's a great pick man um, I like where this is going. It's going to dark places, <laughs> and I Amazon enjoy that. Amazon is dark. <laughs> <laughs> my next, um, my next uh, recommendation is a little bit lighter. It, it's, I guess, it's horror, but it's it's a it's a light horror movie. Um, it's from two years ago, two thousand eighteen. It is the um, it's part of. I think it originally was part of the Cloverfield universe. But I think they couldn't figure out the ending to like wrap it up into it, so they just made it its own thing. I'm talking about uh, Overlord. Oh, mm. movie um, directed by Jules Avery and written by uh, Billy Ray and um, oh, he's what he's basically the the main writer. Um, Billy Ray. Oh, I remember now. Yes, I love. Movie. Yes, but he sometimes when he when he's when he takes over like big budget movies. He's kind of hit or miss. Like um, Billy Ray also did, like wrote on Gemini Man, and that turned out not to be oh, very, yeah. very good. Well, um, but you know, that's only yeah, entirely. His that's fault. not his fault. That's not his fault. <laughs> um, uh, Billy Ray is the I think he also directed the writer director of Shattered Glass, which is one of my one, one of my favorite movies. Oh, okay. um, Overlord is about a small group of American soldiers that find themselves like behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. And it's like you think it's like going to be like the Inglorious Bastards or something like that. And it turns it, it quickly turns into like a horror movie. It's like it's like the World War Two version of From Dust Till Dawn, where you think you're watching one movie and then it flips. And now you're watching a it's not quite a zombie movie, but very close. Um, but I like what they did with like the, the monsters and, and ghoulish figures. Um, it's produced by JJ Abrams. And I think originally when they did this, it was going to be part of that. Like I said, uh, the Cloverfield universe, but they couldn't 
usually when when they're doing this they've they say they they've thought it thought about it from the beginning but i don't know like the the cloverfield movie the sequel that they made i think they just tacked on the ending no i think it's confirmed like it was originally they did, right? it was originally it, all of that see that's that's one of the problems with the cloverfield see, series in quotes yeah <laughs> is that like what they've been doing is like they go okay this movie is it it's interesting and has a premise but people just aren't going to see it because it just doesn't have like the brand name exposure so let's just pretend yeah. it's a cloverfield movie <laughs> and add something on at the end um, that's and right like, that's right and I, like I for, read... yeah, and for for cloverfield lane it's actually awesome so mm-hmm. yeah. i'm glad they did that to get the exposure except i hate the ending um i wish the ending didn't happen that way i wish the ending was just she leaves um and not what happens <laughs> um, yeah now that i'm thinking about it i read i read the um the article with the screenwriter where he talked about how his movie got bought and they were like okay cool your movie's gonna get made but just change the ending yeah. <laughs> well i mean from a commercial standpoint it was yeah. a very smart move um, yeah because it, it made way more money that way it's just a shame that the mm-hmm. ending had to be like that and yeah. then when they did it for the cloverfield paradox that netflix movie it's very much the same thing um but you know that's i so in a in like a principled sense i'm guess i'm kind of glad overlord didn't do that because i would struggle to see how this truly could be forced to fit into cloverfield unless they're just like oh we have this genetic thing now and we shall use it for the future and then it becomes something else um <laughs> yeah but, yeah because it's one of the things you bring up dust till dawn the thing i like about the movie is that like the movie itself, the construction of it is very much like, you know, tongue in cheek about it. But the characters are taking it like 100 percent seriously. They're just like, yeah. oh, my God, this is happening now. Uh, let's respond. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, have, have, have either of you watched the movie? I think you'd yeah. have, right, Adam? Yeah. Yeah. I've okay. seen Overlord. Yeah. I what, what are you guys' thoughts on this? I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed I, it a lot. Yeah. I enjoyed it. OK. I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I think Wyatt Russell's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the guy who plays the the SS officer is great. But like, yeah, he's I don't from know. like it kind like of, of Thrones. It kind of meanders a bit. Mm-hmm. Like considering what ends up like I don't know. I feel like they waste a lot of time not doing anything. <laughs> you know, like they're just kinda <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. Let's let's and, just and, hang out in this barn. And it's like we know that there's monsters or something in this castle, but let's just hang out in this barn. I I think it's the case of like the first like ten minutes of the movie is amazing. It just like it's it it just goes up to ten right away. It's like there it's like the eve of D Day. There's like all these explosions, all these uh, special effects, and then they're like, okay, we blew our money on the, the first ten minutes. Now <laughs> let's just let's just film like a play in a barn for like the, the next forty five minutes. <laughs> and, and then the end. I mean, it's that's go similar back. to Dust Till Dawn too, where it's just like, let's yeah, now we're yeah. just in this bar forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the difference the was that they had Tarantino's dialogue. Yeah, yeah the bar had true. more interesting people saying more interesting things. That's true. That's true. And Tom Savini yeah. with that crotch gun. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but no, this was still really fun. I thought, and um, it's just a, a fun like horror movie. I, I and I really, really, really love White Russell. I think if they're going to do, if they're going to remake one of my favorite movies, uh, Escape from New York, 
they just gotta they gotta hire this guy, right? It, it's as closest to, to to Russell as they're gonna get. Um, I mean, and, he really evokes his dad in this movie. I was so I was like, oh shit, he's he went full Russell. He's yeah. <laughs> he's he he's he's emoting his father like he's just <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was so good. He's he's really good. Actually, everything I've seen him in, he I've enjoyed him. I've jo- enjoyed his performances. He was in um a Richard Linkler movie called uh, Everybody Wants Him. Yeah, he's, he's so good in that. that too. He's really good. He was in an episode of Black Mirror. He was in um that a AMC show, uh, Lodge 49, which I haven't seen, but I heard great things about. And uh, he's going to be in the new um, Marvel show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, he's playing. Um, Marvin, you know more about this. He's playing the guy who kind of takes over, quote unquote, the Captain America mantle. US agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. it's like sort of given a serum, but he's also like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see him in that because that seems like a pretty cool idea. He's just a great actor. I'm in. Man, it's, um, it's, that show's gonna just as a quick aside. That show's gonna be really weird because it's gonna just be like here is it's like remember when Superman died in the comics and they just had like 20 different types of Superman. Yeah, that's what the show's gonna be. Here's all the alternate Captain Americas now. It's just gonna be weird. <laughs> and eventually I, they're gonna team up and it's gonna be a team of like five Captain Americas. I was very uh, skeptical about it, you know, especially like so I was skeptical with like the whole Disney merger and then I was skeptical with the whole Disney Plus thing. Mm. And then watching like The Mandalorian, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So I'm like, okay. Well, John Favreau is like he's always solid at the very least. And then then now when he's given like rain to kind of just build as he wants to because he. Because the cool thing about John Favreau is that he's really willing to be like, I made a mistake or <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do this very well. I'd like advice. And so that's that's what kind of keeps him uh, propelling forward as a, a good uh, director slash showrunner for these sort of things. I think. And he's never like afraid to say I messed up in that movie. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I saw him. I saw him like give a, like a, a talk after it was for chef. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, definitely Iron Man 2. Like, we just, like, rushed it and, like, it just didn't come out. Like, he's like, it, it was definitely, like, my fault. And, like, I it should have been me who said, hey, let's slow down. Let's figure this out. But I thought we had it and I got cocky. And this is what happened. <laughs> ah, he's chef's never... fine. I'm fine with Chef anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's a fun, let's just watch it in the background sort of show movie yeah um adam what is your next recommendation uh okay my next recommendation is a little movie called q the winged serpent oh well uh, larry cohen uh of borat fame uh no uh <laughs> the <laughs> the uh like the exploitation director oh okay 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 Okay. Um, give us the I, I don't know what this movie give us oh the... my god it's uh okay so, <laughs> so basically uh i don't even know where to start because like it's a very convoluted story that's just about like a, a crazy flying snake who's terrorizing new york city but like the way that larry cohen gets into the story is through michael moriarty who's like a mm-hmm. like a, a mob guy who 
discovers where the serpent's lair is on accident when he's like hiding from people who want to kill him. So half the movie is David Carradine trying to figure out what's happening. And half the movie is Malcolm Moriarty like trying to like blackmail or extort people into giving him money to tell them where the serpent is. And it, meanwhile, it's flying around killing people. Um, and it's insane. It's like a, a claymation flying lizard um, who is like a, an Aztec god. And it's just so bizarre, which is my theme for the day. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the movie again? Q, the winged serpent. And I'm guessing it's called Q because Quetzalcoatl is too hard for people to say and they didn't want to put that on the oh, marquees. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nuts. But David Carradine is awesome. I almost saw this yesterday when my girlfriend Sarah was like, because we had watched The Barbarians and then she mm. was like, you know what? If you're in the mood to watch like weird stuff, do you want to watch Q? I watched Q when I was a kid and I was like, eh, maybe later. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's this would so have almost fun. been on my list today if I'd seen it yesterday. <laughs> it's it's very strange. Um, I just pulled up the 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 IMDb page and that poster looks so familiar. I feel like I've seen this poster all yeah, the time on like, it's like the video case. Yeah, if you grew up going to blockbuster videos, this was like the poster you always or the video. You're like, I don't know what that is, but I feel like I should watch it. <laughs> it's a good tagline. Its name is Quetzalcoatl. Just call it Q. That's all you'll have the time to say before it tears you apart. <laughs> yep. <It's, laughs> oh, Richard Roundtree's in it. Yeah, okay. he's uh, he's David Carradine's partner. Okay. Um, cool. It's great. It's great. But yeah, it's basically like the cops trying to figure out if this is real and where it is. And it's like nesting in the top of the Chrysler building. And somehow <laughs> Michael Moriarty is the only one who knows. <laughs> <laughs> and he like really just holds it over people's heads it's like i know where this is and you have to give me whatever i want and it's such a bizarre conceit it's like why why is he such a douchebag <laughs> that he's like endangering the entire city just oh, because because he feels so weird because because my my in my brain michael moriarty is the ada from law and order so to like see him <laughs> mm. see him in this like kind of role where he's like this shitty mobster guy <laughs> Yeah, I'm like fascinated to think about. It. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. Cool. This this sounds you are bringing an interesting list, dude. <laughs> um, but you never disappoint. Uh, I'll try. God damn I'll it, try. Uh, Marvin, what do you got? Okay, uh, let's keep let's keep the weird thing going. Let's move over to um, I think a lot of you guys are almost certainly aware of this movie, and if you're if you keep up with bad movies, it's pretty infamous at this point but in general i wanted to bring up because i was surprised it was on amazon prime in at all uh which is samurai cop um and a big reason why i enjoy samurai cop is because it is the perspective of like uh what's it called uh what was those those eight those 80s action movies starring um danny glover and uh the buddy cop oh, movies. Lethal Weapon? Yeah, Lethal Weapon. It is it is Lethal Weapon, but if from the perspective of someone from Iran, and then like he only saw Lethal Weapon movies with like a bad translation. And then, <laughs> and then he was like, I will also throw in a katana gang. <laughs> and and that's uh the the premise of Samurai Cop is basically there is uh, a katana gang in LA. Um, of, the, of whom the main bad guy is Robert Zadar, 
um, who is, you know, famous amongst uh, B-movie circuits. Um, and for some reason, Robert Zadar it plays a character named Yamashita, even though it's very clearly not Japanese. <laughs> uh, but then uh, the main the main uh, cops that can take him down are uh, basically this movie's version of Lethal Weapon uh, in the form of Matt Hannon and Mark Frazier, um, who... And Matt Hannon is the samurai cop. He's like, <laughs> he's also had training from Japan and he knows how to use a katana. And uh, if there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of famous scenes for the movie, but probably the most famous scene is because it, it went viral on YouTube where it's like this bizarre scene where he's trying to like, you know, uh, go out, have a one night stand with this nurse. And then this the ba dialogue basically goes, do you like what you see? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to see more? I would. Do you want to have sex with me? Bingo. <laughs> this is the dialogue. Um, and like, you know, and it's like, from, from what I understand, he's made uh, a bunch, I th the director of this is Amir Shervan, and he's made uh, like, a few movies in America because he in, in Iran, he was like, a, from what I understand, he got uh, rich by having a bunch of uh, movie theaters in, in, in Iran. So after he had all these uh, and he started and he had his own movie made in Iran, which I haven't seen, but apparently it was enough that uh, he was able to immigrate to America and start making his own versions of American action movies. And Samurai Cop is the last one. And it shows because all the money's gone. You can tell. And uh, the color grading for the film is all over the place. Because for, for people who don't know, when you're shooting on film, you have to choose the right stock for your environment, right? There's something called daylight stock. And there's something called like uh, T for tungsten for indoors because, you know, uh, indoor lighting, at, you know, at least back in those, day, those days, was mostly tungsten lit, right? So it's very clear that he just grabbed whatever film he could and he's shooting tungsten outdoors and daylight indoors because all of the, <laughs> the color is all over the place. And it changes from shot to shot within the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also extremely clear that um, they did not shoot the movie all at once because Matt Hannon, uh, he has long hair, like long, beautiful, long, lustrous hair, uh, which is very fitting for um, you know this type of '80s role. And then after the role was finished, you know he cut his hair because he wanted to get roles where he could be more flexible. And then apparently Amir asked him to come back, and was like dude, we have more scenes to shoot. And he was like, okay, you didn't tell me that. So apparently he just bought him a wig and uh, they did a lot of pickup shots, but the, all the pickup shots aren't like new scenes. They're like scenes that are designed to pad out other scenes. So there's all these reaction shots of him just in a wig, <laughs> like as he's driving, like he'll start, like he'll be like, oh, get out of the way. And he's clear in what's very clearly a wig. And there's a scene where he's getting into a fight with uh, another um, legendary uh, B-movie martial artist, Jiro Lokomura, um, who, uh, like, they tried to make the action look faster, so they literally just sped it up. 
And then, uh, but like the speeding up included the part where he's like stamping his foot on the ground in anger. So it looks like a comedy. But then <laughs> as it goes from shot to shot, you can see where the wig comes on and comes off and comes on and comes off. And that's part of the joy of watching Samurai Cop is just understanding when and where this is going to happen. And uh, my favorite part is that whatever final stock, you know, like whatever final print he made for the movie, he didn't, it didn't include like a, a header and an end. So <laughs> the movie goes straight into credits. Like the like there is no like if you if you get the DVD or Blu-ray and you press play, it instantly starts in the middle of music with some credits. <laughs> like <laughs> like it, it's it's fascinating. And then as the credits, you know, like usually a movie stops when the credits are fully rolled, right? And this <laughs> In this case, it just stops. <laughs> that's amazing, <laughs> and that's the only version they have of it. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a fun watch. Um, it's Robert, one of Robert Zadar's most memorable roles. He looks very different um, than he does in most other roles because uh, Robert Zadar is famous for having a really huge chin. But in this movie, he's kind of covered it up with a with a beard, so it kind of looks like he just has a big bushy beard. But in actuality, it's just it's, he has a massive chin. <laughs> I need to see this movie. I haven't seen this. I, yeah, this is this is a movie I sometimes would get confused with because there's a movie that I really really like um, from the '80s called Ghost Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I was like younger, I would be describing this movie to somebody like, hey, you could, "I need to rent this movie." Like as a kid, I'd be like, "I need to rent this movie." It's this this guy. It's frozen. It's a samurai. He gets frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I and, think we're thinking of a different. Sorry, I'm thinking of a different yeah. movie. Then, yeah, the, he gets woken up and it's the 80s, uh-huh. and and he, it's like a fish out of water. Like he, he he's a full on samurai in in like modern times. Oh, amazing. And every time I would describe it, they're like, "Oh, you're you're thinking of Samurai Cop." And I'm like, "No, that's no, that's not the goddamn movie we're talking about." <laughs> 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 um, but I've never seen Samurai Cop just just by. People keep tr- trying to make me watch it because they they'd be like, "Oh, you're talking about Samurai Cup." No, I'm not. I'm talking about <laughs> Ghost Warrior. You piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a great. That's a great uh, recommendation. Um, yeah. My next recommendation is I'm gonna try to keep this going. Fan Dad movie every fucking week, dude. Uh, this week, beautiful movie, the best movie out there on on Prime. I'm talking about 1992's Universal Soldier. Oh, fuck Ooh, yes, dude, good one. Fuck yeah. That um, where to start with this movie? This is it's perfect sci-fi action, uh, martial arts. It's guy. It's got Dolph Lundgren mm-hmm. uh, as the villain of the movie. Andrew Scott. It's got Jean Claude Van Damme. It's got Ali Walker, um, Jerry Orbach. As the doctor making a sweet, <laughs> sweet cameo. Well, it's not a cameo; it's a small part. But um, it's written and directed by did Roland Emmerich write, write this? No, it's Dean Devlin. So it's the team that that eventually went on to do Independence Day. They went on to do um, Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> all those big blockbuster movies. These guys. I want to say this is their first movie that like they the first American movie that they did. Um, they also did the horrible out of the the horrible uh, version of Godzilla from the late nineties. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> that was bad, guys. Um, it made a funny 
a cartoon show out of it. But <laughs> did they? Yeah, they did. It was it was bizarre. Like they managed. You know, Godzilla the movie ends with the stinger of oh no, there was one egg left, and then a a, a baby Godzilla pops out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then the show is about um, Matthew. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Broderick's Matthew character. Broderick. Yeah, Matthew Broderick's character going. Oh, I've uh, I I found him, and also he's fully grown now. Also, he's my friend, <laughs> <laughs> and now he 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 and I fight crime together, basically. The I got I it's on Netflix, right? Is it on Netflix? The 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 show? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is it? I feel like I've seen. I think it is. I think. Oh it my is. god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I would love to rewatch that and see how it helped. Because it's by the same company that did like Jackie Chan Adventures, and I and I it's always got that look. Where like the backgrounds are like drawn in like five seconds. So. <laughs> um, this I think it is. I think it is. I think I've seen it. I've scrolled through it. Um, oh, okay. in like the animation section. Um, I this is this movie Universal Soldier. If you haven't seen it, it's and you 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 think Van Damme's a piece of shit and he's he's a horrible <laughs> person. This is peak Van Damme. This is peak Van Damme. I understand that I love other movies of his more. I like JCVD. I like Bloodsport. I like hell. I like Time Cop. I like all of them. <laughs> but as a whole, as a movie, as like a, a a whole package, I think this is probably the best movie he's been in. I want to say it's like top top two, top three, because mm-hmm. um, like everybody's good in it. Everybody's like like Roland Emmerich is like just kind of like hitting because he, he I think he's a German director. He's like yeah yeah coming in killing it with this movie he's he's uh he's got a good budget it's gonna be produced by a major major studio and it's got a great cast and van damme's coming out of like he had a good run he had he had blood sport kickboxer lionheart lionheart by the way also on amazon um amazon prime uh death warrant double impact and then just when you think you can't get any better so two van dams in one movie nope <laughs> universal soldier dude where he's He's half man. He's not a robot per se, but um, cyborg. He's he's basically a cyborg. Yeah. So it's about these two soldiers, uh, more than two actually. But the two main the two main characters are these two uh, soldiers from uh, Vietnam that are um, when they when so the, the whole platoon dies because the the I think it's Dolph's char- a character. He's a sergeant, right? I think. Mm-hmm. he he's he's like uh he's he's asking van damme to kill all these innocent people and because he's gotten a little nutty and he refuses to and by the way john claude playing another american soldier with the thick <laughs> fucking <laughs> well he's from the bayou he's always yeah, from the right. bayou well yeah i guess you're right i guess you're right he, he's from the bayou in this one and also in hard target um and uh and it's they bring them back to life in the 90s and they're not quite cyborgs. They're like enhanced humans, where they could like they could run fast. They could like like punch through a wall, but they have, which is an interesting concept because Terminator used it at one point as well. Mm. Uh, the, the the new Terminator that just came out, um, which is that they could they have all these enhanced like abilities, but they could only run like for a certain amount of time because they overheat. Um, right, right. So they're constantly having to like get in these like chambers james where it's cameron like, what a hack i know <laughs> off that, universal soldier god damn it dude <laughs> uh, 
um they have to get in these like like uh freeze like chambers where it's like icy cold and stuff um i'm as a kid i was on board all they had to say was van damme and i was on board uh (laughs) but the fact that it has all these other great actors um just um just uh you get you you get a little bit of everything with this movie uh it's sci-fi and uh you get at least that i can remember at least four of those crazy Van Damme roundhouse kicks. <laughs> yeah. The spinning kicks, um, which are the best. And one of them is in the rain at the end. Beautiful, beautiful rain shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. They're, they have this, this scene where like they're, they're repelling down. Like they get, they get these universal soldiers get sent uh, to like do like dangerous missions, like with terrorists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they repel down the dam. I remember thinking that's a badass shot. Yeah, it's these... amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, the sweet those sweet goggles they wear, like, which is weird because they're they're basically disabling one of their eyes. See, so that's like, why I thought they cameras. were cyborgs. That's why. I don't know. No, 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 the camera was just so they could control them and tell them what to do. Okay. They're okay. basically like like empty vessels, empty humans, and they basically were like lobotomized and slowly they get their memories back Van Damme especially because he stops taking this like it's basically like a serum that erases their memory yeah yeah and and every time they, they go in these chambers to cool down they get this serum and they their shirts on yeah well of course they're they're <laughs> naked not just the shirts they're, they're oh, completely oh, naked oh, yeah. yeah yeah I mean they don't show it they don't show the full Van Damme but they you know they're <laughs> naked <dude. laughs> um, that's my pick it's go go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's fucking amazing. Sci-fi, Van Damme. What else do you need? I mean, Van Damme's done more sci-fi movies, but they're shit movies. Um, <laughs> whoa, uh, whoa, Time Cop. Okay, okay, that's that's another sci-fi movie that's great. We gotta really do. We gotta take an episode and just go over his whole filmography, man. I don't know why you haven't done it already. It just man. culminates I, in JCVD. Well, the thing it, he was making movies, so you can't, you know. Maybe yeah, it's like one doing an day. obituary for someone who has not done. <laughs> I know. No. Why would we do have that? Have you have you been watching his like Instagram yes. series? Yes. You <laughs> sent me a couple weeks ago. Uh, Adam sent me like this video of his. Uh-huh. He went live, uh-huh. and he's been doing like these weird like like workout videos. Yet like inspirational talks. It's weird. Oh man, there's like a great like Roger Ebert did an, uh, a review for JCVD. And he like basically just ends his review with just a list of quotes he randomly collected from modern day Jean Claude Van Damme, and they're amazing. Like it's just let me let me see if I can find it. Go you go you guys go keep going. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme has, has does a voice in um in Minions, the new Minions movie that's coming out next year. So I'm 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 all in. Uh, his character's <laughs> name is is uh, uh, Jean Claude. But like with claws. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. I'm in, man. I'm in. That's all you had. John okay. Claude. I, I found the I found the um the review. So he's basically saying, uh, uh, JCVD is known throughout the French speaking world for his picturesque aphorisms. Man, oh man, they're picturesque, all right. I'm going to tack on a bunch and let the editors decide how many they have room for. <laughs> so. Uh, you don't need a flash to photograph a rabbit that has that already has red eyes. If you work with a jackhammer during an earthquake, stop. Otherwise, you are working for nothing. <laughs> I, 
if you phone a psychic and she doesn't answer the phone before it rings, hang up. <laughs> my wife is not my best sexual partner, but she's good with the housework. <laughs> that, Obviously, that... I've taken drugs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> when I walk across my living room from my chimney to my window, it takes me 10 seconds. But for a bird, it takes one second. And for oxygen, zero seconds. <laughs> oh my God, I am fascinated by air. If you remove the air from the sky, all the birds would fall to the ground. And all the planes, too. Air <laughs> is beautiful, yet you cannot see it. It's soft, yet you cannot touch it. Air is a little like my brain. <laughs> This is the, the best thing you could have ever <laughs> dug up. Thank you, Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude, you, you were the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you can never disappoint. Um, all right, Adam, what is your next recommendation? Are we at um, five? Yeah, this is this is the fifth round. Wait, no, this is this five? I think this is four. One, two, three, four. This is my fourth. No yes. way. This is fourth, yeah, man. We've been talking a lot about the boys and <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, what is your number four? Uh, my number four is City of the Living Dead by Lucio Fulci. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, nothing really can be as bizarre as an Italian horror movie from the 80s. Because no. they're especially bizarre. It's like a just a beautiful, beautiful mishmash of every horror movie trope ever and like so many like they'll steal character names and they'll take parts of one plot from one movie and parts of another plot from another movie and they'll mix it all together and it'll just be craziness with gore everywhere guts like in one scene a woman literally has her guts pour out of her mouth like she just sits there and opens her mouth yeah. and her guts start pouring out it's amazing um and all of this happens because a preacher hangs himself and opens the gates to, to hell yeah, and and zombies start walking the earth as they do when a preacher kills himself and opens the gates to hell. It's bonkers. Um, I love Fulci. It's just got all of his amazing, really gory, <laughs> unfortunate deaths that don't make sense half the time. Yeah. But I can't. I can't help it. I just love watching his bizarre movies. Um, this. I so this is what what is it, what is it called I I I'm drawing a blank the Italian what's the like Italian horror movie like genre giallo? yeah genre well, giallo, that's what I'm thinking this, that's this, this isn't giallo this is this is horror giallo is more of like a thriller where like like uh, deep red would be a, a giallo because there's like a oh, thriller okay. with like a killer who has gloves and you never see them for the most part mm, and they I use a knife so, yeah. oh, okay, but this yeah. is horror so like there is a, there is this a difference. Oh, okay, um, so this okay, okay. this wouldn't be considered giallo because giallo. See, that's one. that's what I've always had trouble with that damn fucking term, dude. <laughs> um, um, well, giallo, yeah, giallo is basically if it's like like noirish with weird colors and there's gloves. Yeah, gloves and <laughs> knives, and it's a mystery. You don't know who okay, the, okay. you don't know who the killer is. Whereas the horror movies, it's like oh, they're zombies and they're crazy and people are just randomly blowing up or something like like this is horror the beyond is horror deep red is giallo um like the uh i can't they have the bird with the crystal plumage is giallo like it's it depends on if it's a person or if it's supernatural right mm -hmm. 
So if it's a person and you never see them, you just see hands with gloves and a knife. It's probably giallo. I can't, giallo I'm can probably be not saying it right. I think it just depends on. Yeah, I think a, there are aspects to it, but yeah, it's yeah. like, but the the Fulci ones that I like are the more like just bizarre supernatural like zombies and people <laughs> people being impaled on things or, yeah. um yeah but this is great it's crazy very gory um doesn't make a lot of sense but it's fun mm-hmm. this guy i i don't know a lot about that's one thing that i haven't really gone deep into which is like italian horror movies and like the jellos and stuff but the like just dipping my toes into like the French uh, horror scene, I I can't imagine what these dudes are doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like it's it's just like because they have a budget and it's just cheaper, they have to get away with like like they have to ooze style in order to be like seen. So yeah. a lot it's it's more style over narrative. Like they're they're more willing to just have narrative be. An inciting incident and then just have it as an excuse for cool set pieces and mm-hmm. uh interesting well it's like it's like over the top lighting and cinematography like to kind of like drive the point home and then you know the there's the exploitation aspect to it where it's just going to be lots of violence lots of sex and stuff yeah man that's a that's a whole another bag of worms. That There's I a lot, but, and that's another yeah. thing. They just churn them out. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. why it's why Italy became so popular for like overseas filmmakers because it was just like, oh, you guys just make movies nonstop. Like you guys never rest, <laughs> so you guys are always ready to go. <laughs> so. um, and this guy, he's, he's like, I I I've recognized the name. He does like he has like a big catalog of like horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah he's got he, a lot. He's done horror and giallo, uh, but he did. He's got like his dead trilogy. There's sitting in the city, city of the living dead, the beyond, and uh, house at the end of the cemetery. I I can't remember. It's something like that. House in the cemetery. Um, but he also like the beyond is his most fav- famous one. It's even more crazy than city of the living dead. Uh, I didn't actually check if that one's streaming, but if it is, you should watch that one too. Um. But yeah, he's got all kinds of crazy movies that are just weird ripoffs. Like Manhattan Baby is like a Rosemary's Baby knockoff. Yeah, he's he's got a horror movie that's like like a, a slasher, but it's about like jazzercise dancers or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's I don't know, Zombie Two. It's because that that's yeah just, he did Zombie Two, yeah, which is him. like just an, like a unauthorized a sequel to uh, one of the dead uh, one of the Romero dead movies. I forget which well, one. So Dawn of the Dead came out in Italy as zombie. And so, yeah, that's of, the story. That's and the story, so, yeah. so this is the sequel. His, his zombie two was a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, like an unofficial sequel to Dawn of yeah, the Dead. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, <laughs> but that also great with zombies fighting sharks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's great. He's got so many, he's, he's just kind of all over the place. He's got horror. He's got giallo. He's got, random action movies um uh yeah i, I gotta know. i gotta check this guy out yeah he's a trip i got a bunch i got like a like one of those random like oh hey four full shoe full shoe movie box sets i'll i'll let you borrow when all this ah. is set. they're all they're all on dvd and they're all full screen um <laughs> no like uh blue underground's been releasing a lot of his stuff on blu-ray special edition okay oh which is nice yeah there's a lot of cool stuff coming out right now. I, I, this has nothing to do with horror or anything, but 
I've seen a lot of cool stuff from like Arrow, from like all these companies. They're finally re- releasing Rad, the '80s BMX <laughs> movie, finally on Blu-ray. God damn it, took you long <laughs> enough. Um, I stepped accidentally stepped on my VHS tape. And, oh, you know, haven't been able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, accidentally. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool companies. Even like Criterion's putting out like a sweet, sweet um uh box set of like bruce lee movies yeah 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 yeah. coming out next month nope yeah um technically it's kind of may it's gonna be may so uh (laughs) it's coming out in june um all right very cool man uh marvin what do you got for us dude okay fourth pick so when we were discussing netflix movies um one of the movies i wanted to talk about was an adam driver a vehicle called marriage story right yeah. um uh and this is another adam driver vehicle um i think they kind of advertise this a lot as well but i ended up enjoying it a lot just because it's really fun to watch adam driver do his thing uh it's the report um it's a scott ah. c burns movie um it's essentially just like like a dramatized version of um someone doing the research for the torture they did after 9/11 so <laughs> it's it was there basically um it's it's based on a real thing where um there was a, a um a, cong- a congressional staffer named Daniel Jones who uh worked under Diane Feinstein for the Senate Intelligence Committee and they were basically investigating the CIA's use of torture after 9/11 and it's you know it's difficult to make a movie about this because for one you could try to lean on you know the like torture scenes for like drama but they were actually didn't do that that often because it's kind of tasteless to lean on that too much right Mm -hmm. so what they ended up doing is like he's basically stuck inside like a bunker in the pentagon or like an offshoot building from the pentagon for like years (laughs) And they have to try to make that interesting. So they do it with lots of motion graphics where you see like report literally coming up on screen and it zooms in when it goes for flashbacks. And it's like a lot of like uh, like transitions for the, sh- the movie are driven that way. But then the core of the movie is obviously Adam Driver's performance. He's just so fucking good in it. Um, and it's also uh, like Annette Benning uh, <laughs> plays uh, Diane Feinstein. And it's like, it's interesting because it's like, you know, she's just she just plays it like barely interested <laughs> uh, as she might have been in real life. Um, but it's really Daniel Jones who's kind of driving the whole thing. And it's pretty straightforward movie in the sense that you pretty much know exactly how it's going to play out. And it's not like anything drastic happens because we know in real life nothing really drastically happens. Um, but it's just fascinating watching Adam Driver really dive into this character. And one other thing that I, I kind of enjoy about uh, the movie is that um, just to just to throw out the context, like I work in marketing. So like when I see like good like key art, I think it's really cool. And I think the main title design for the movie is really cool because it's like the report. Right. But it's clearly says the torture report. But the torture part has been like poorly redacted you know so you can see the word torture under it 
I think it's a really cool idea for for a, a key art main title design. Um, but you know, it's a it's a it's a solid watch if you're willing to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about uh, what what this has done, um, and you know, it's just one of those things where you're just kind of fascinated because of the the material, and you are like, I can't believe this many people were influenced by just like these two people like how can you let this whole thing happen because these two people but also it's a lot of it's just driven by excellent acting and you know it's just it's just a overall really solidly tightly uh constructed movie with the core of it being adam driver's performance i um i really dig adam driver i think we talked about this in previous um episodes um this is this movie's i haven't seen this but i've it's on it's been on my list it's one of those movies where you're like i i know again it's hard especially right now because we're all stuck at home and we're like i just want to not think about things (laughs) and not think about anything heavy really yeah yeah. is is that uh i know it's gonna be a heavy movie and i know you're definitely gonna go to like hating people like real people in the real world um but it's written directed by uh a guy who i i kind of dig um he is he's done a lot of movies for steven soderbergh Mm -hmm. in fact it it links up to my 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 last pick but uh it's it's scott c burns he uh he wrote um contagion side effect um he did some work on like the Bourne movies mm-hmm. um and he wrote this is i think his first full like feature he's directed yeah uh, but he's a really good writer and he I, likes to I, write I about stuff that's it. like social commentary where it's like, yeah based yeah. on like i think this thing needs to be exposed as widely yeah. as he can in fact contagion contagion is what we're living right now yeah he told if you he, he told us it. nine years early yeah exactly <laughs> like, <laughs> like like he did the research he did the research he's yeah. he's a really good writer he did the research he in fact like most of contagion is playing out in the real world right yeah, now it's kind it's, of scary it's like beat for beat beat for beat <laughs> the same goddamn beats of the movie in, including like people who are like conspiracy theorists and they're like no this is this is not everything everything is in the movie yeah. And he told us about it years ago. And we're like, ah, this is a cute little movie. Let's move on. <laughs> and now, in fact, there's a, there's a really interesting PSA going on, going around right now, where it's the cast of Contagion, like, telling you, like, hey, stay home, wash your hands, let the scientists tell you what to do. Don't be stupid. Listen to people, <laughs> basically. Um, but anyway, that leads to my pick, also an Adam Driver movie. Mm-hmm. coincidentally um also uh, linked to the scott z burns universe kind of um <laughs> so my my last pick uh, my ra- last recommendation is a movie from a couple years ago um i was gonna recommend magic mike and that's also on amazon prime because uh, when i say i love magic Mike, people think i'm joking it's a good movie and yeah no it's a it's an amazing movie. Yeah. It's not a good movie. It's an amazing movie, Marvin. Don't <laughs> uh, don't undersell it. Um, but we won't talk about Magic Mike. It's a beautiful movie about a, a great commentary about the American economy. I feel, like, I feel like its marketing belies what the character drama is built in. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. But uh, the movie I want to talk about is Logan, Logan Lucky, um, oh, which okay. is directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's, it stars uh, Chad Tatum, uh, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig. 
Um, I can't pronounce her last name. Uh, Riley Kyoko, I think. Uh, she's Riley Elvis's... Kyo. Kyo, that's that's it, dude. It's Elvis's granddaughter. That's how I. That's <laughs> how I refer to her. Um, Kitty Holmes is in it. Um, David uh, Denham, he plays. Um, who did he play in the Office? He played uh, Pam's uh, fiance for the longest time. Uh, Seth, Seth Seth MacFarlane is in it as well. Uh, there's there's a lot of actors in this. Have you seen this, Marvin? I have not seen this movie. Adam, I still haven't. Like I've been wanting to see it. I wanted to see it before it came out, and then I just never yeah. saw it. Our mutual friend Zachary keeps telling me to watch it, and I just never have. <laughs> it's an amazingly well written heist movie. Uh, imagine like it's of. <sighs> Imagine if instead of the cool, suave guys that are running Ocean's Eleven, which is also directed by Steven Soderbergh, mm-hmm. it's the not B, not C, like Z team, you know? <laughs> they're like, they're like so it's a bumbling heist. Yeah, they're like kind of like they're kind of like rednecks. Like Chan Tatum's got like this like thick accent, like Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver plays his brother. And who's missing a hand, by the way. <laughs> um, and for the longest time, so it, the the movie credits um, uh, the writer of, of, of this movie uh, is Rebecca Blunt. Um, and Rebecca for the Blunt, longest yeah. time, re, not not Emily Blunt, uh, Rebecca Blunt. And everyone thought, um, everyone was thinking, because Steven Soderbergh uses a lot of like um, like fake names because he does his cinematography most of the time on his movies. And he, he mm-hmm. uh, credits like, I think it's Andrew Scott or something like a, a Andrew name Andrew Peters I think and he he doesn't take credit Peter Andrews Peter, Peter Andrews. Andrews yeah yeah Damn because it. he's Very not allowed close. to because he's not yeah, allowed yeah. to yeah, yeah for stupid guild reasons yeah so he credits uh, this in another name and everyone thought like oh, it's probably Soderbergh that wrote this or maybe Scott D Burns but he doesn't want his name on it because it's like a weird comedy <laughs> and I I swear like I kept telling everybody I bet you it's his wife I bet you it's his wife. I bet you it's his wife. And everyone kept saying no. And finally she came out and she's like, yeah, I wrote it. Um, his <laughs> wife is Jules Asner. She's mm-hmm. like the TV, like celebrity, reality cele- celebrity. Um, she started, she was a host of E. I don't know if you remember that. Like when, if, when E first started. Yeah, no, I remember. Um, and that's his wife. Uh, that's Soderbergh's wife. And she actually wrote the movie. Um, and it's really well written. Um, it's just a really well done heist movie. And and Daniel Craig um, playing another Southern part. He did it in Knives Out, but yeah. he started with this one. And and <laughs> I think as much as funny as he is in Knives Out, and as much as I love his performance, this one is is really funny. This one's funnier, I think. Oh, okay. So it's um, also a comedic Southern. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He plays this this um this convict uh, who is who's a failed bank robber. His name is Joe Bang. And, uh, <laughs> that's they, a they great keep... name <laughs> uh the two brothers the logan brothers keep going to visit him in jail to to get advice from him and he has um he has his sodium is really high so he keeps he loves his eggs with this fake salt that he gets and, and <laughs> it's just a funny bit and you ha- you guys have to watch it it's it's really really funny especially like right now when we're stuck and we just don't want to think about anything this is a really fun movie. It also has like really fun cameos. Like Sebastian Stan is in this movie. Like getting <laughs> the part that there's no need for him to be in this goddamn movie. 
it's like a, a throwaway part and he's in it he's peppered in the whole movie That's Soderbergh's superpower though Soderbergh yeah, has yeah. this ability to like make every single actor love him I think and it, every every single part like kind of matter to yeah. a certain extent that's the thing it's like because he's 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 one of those directors who's extremely respectful of his relationship with actors like people always talk about um when uh, actors from like the oceans movies are interviewed and stuff they always go like he kind of just lets us for the first pass do whatever we want and that's sort of why there's this always this level of trust because he's always just like you do you and then we'll go from there and it's it's why he's like known as like an actor's director and he gets to build his reputation of i want to work with him not just because he's a great director and makes interesting movies but because i know the experience is going to be really good and yeah yeah and and um uh he well he not only drags great actors but like he kind of i want to say like he discovers like certain people like he gives them like parts and in, in part in in roles that they mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't get cast in usually mm-hmm. and they do really well like, like channing tatum exactly exactly <laughs> um riley what was her name again kyo kyo yeah. um she kyo. plays kyo uh she plays uh their sister uh she plays the the logan sister and she's amazingly funny in it she's great she's she, it's a great character and um it's just a great movie it's just funny. It's fun, and there's a heist, and that's it. It's like Ocean's. Uh, the Not nickname of this heist. movie was Ocean Seven Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's a good encapsulation of the of the, the feeling. And even like Seth MacFarlane, who sometimes like really stands out when he acts. Mm-hmm. Um, his his character is over the top. But he just has some like funny lines that I'm like, oh my god! And, and sometimes like you, you're not even like seeing him; he's off screen, and you hear a line, you're like, oh my god, that's so funny, such a funny line. <laughs> um, and then I've so this is a movie I've rewatched, I swear, like 10, 15 times. <laughs> wow! I swear, yeah. Wow. And and every single time, like, oh my god, that has to, do, oh that, like you, I you find little little things that like doesn't even have to do with the heist part of it is just like little like subtle things like comedy like stuff that like you wouldn't think of of a of a of someone would put that much detail into like this heist movie mm. but like they're little comedic little like moments that are pretty amazing um that i keep discovering each time i watch it um and adam driver is amazingly funny amazingly funny um so check it out it's streaming on on old prime um, all right, gotta, so this starts our final round, Adam. I gotta watch. I gotta watch that one. I've been meaning to watch it forever. Um, okay, so for my last crazy what the fuck movie of this <laughs> list, I've been enjoying that so far. All right, well, this uh, this might be the most bizarre, surprisingly, after after all that I've said. Wow, uh, this is 2011 Father's Day. Uh, yeah, not to be confused with the Robin Billy Williams? Crystal Robin. Yeah, it's not that one. <laughs> this, this is a trauma released movie um, oh. about a revenged or uh, uh, let's see, he's a psycho psychopathic uh, victim of a serial killer. Like his father was killed by the serial killer who kills fathers. That's why it's called Father's Day. 
Um, it's a serial killer who rapes and kills fathers. Oh, God. Um, his name is Fuckman. <laughs> no, dude. There's no way. That's, that's trauma, all right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so the main character's name is Ahab, and he's basically trying to kill the the guy who killed his dad. Um, but it gets way crazier than that. Um, there's the, the devil and ghosts and demons and it's so bizarre and so incredibly wrong like as wrong as you think a stroma movie can be it goes a little bit further into that just awful place that you 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 might regret like some people are going to be really mad that i suggested watching this movie it gets pretty messed up <laughs> like There's... it was it was censored twice like it um <laughs> it was like uh they censored it to try to get it to play in Australia, and they're like, "No, this isn't good enough." They made them censor it again. Uh, Australia is also there, stringent, though. There's one, two, three, four. There's five directors credited on this. Movie. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? It's like this. Oh, I don't know if they're an improv group, but it's like this group of guys who started this company called like Astron Six, and there's six of them. Oh, um, so and they have a this team. other. Yeah, they're a team. It's like bro Broken Lizard, basically, but okay, way, gotcha. way more fucked up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, already fucked up as it is. You're like, yeah, you know Broken Lizard? Yeah, they're fucked up. They're yeah. fucked up Broken Lizard. <laughs> yeah, they're worse. They're way, way more bizarre. Because, I mean, it's a it's a movie predicated upon a serial killer who rapes and kills, like a male serial killer who rapes and kills fathers. And it's an action comedy. So... <laughs> That's really, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so fucking weird. I love it. Like, I shouldn't love it. It's, it's just bonkers. It's trauma too. So like you, you go just by the label, you go into it knowing it's going to be fucked up, but. Like, well, but no, but the, so what's even crazier about it though? Cause like, so there's trauma, trauma, like created movies and trauma released movies. This was a trauma release movie. So like these crazy guys made this on their own and trauma like bought it and released it for them. It's so like they're, they're a whole separate wing of craziness that just kind of got uh, under the umbrella of trauma's craziness. Oh, it's, good, it's, I've seen a lot of trauma movies and this is definitely the one that made me the most uncomfortable. Oh, really? Yeah. Out of all the traumas. Okay. Out of, I mean, that's out a, of all the ones really, I've watched. That's, that's deep. That's deep in there. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen all of the Shoma movies. There's a lot of them, but this is definitely the one where it's like, ah, I don't know. But I, like, <laughs> I at first, <laughs> I, um, I was waiting for uh, my car. My car was in the shop, and I was waiting for it. And I started to watch this movie in a Starbucks, and I did not, <laughs> I did not finish it. I got like maybe fifteen minutes in. I was like, ah, shit, I can't watch this in Starbucks. We're not allowed to watch this here. <laughs> yeah, don't don't watch it in Starbucks. The, it, it's a funny like that Marvin and I were talking about how like um the I'm drawing a blank here now the director of Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn James Gunn James yeah. Gunn yeah James Gunn he came out of this group the the this trauma yeah trauma yeah. yeah it's it's funny how like also how like people were like oh, I can't believe you said that those things it's like do you not fucking know him like, <laughs> he just has a fucked up sense of humor yeah and it's all in good fun like it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he he wrote one of the uh, prefaces to Lloyd Co one of Lloyd Kaufman's books, and like the prefaces where he's talking about how he is gonna masturbate onto Lloyd Kaufman's desk, like <laughs> that's the preface of the book. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's they hired him. They knew this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, you're like, you know that movie that you made? Uh, we watched it, the superhero movie. You're like, oh, the one that where the, the girl rape. rapes the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> We'd like you to direct uh, our next, you know, tentpole movie. Just, just don't put a rape in it. Just yeah, everything yeah. else though. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it's funny. At, at Comic Con, uh, my friend, a friend of mine, Beth, Beth Akamando, she she runs a booth at Comic Con called the Film Geeks, and every year, um, I help her break down the booth. But they're always literally right next to Troma, so every year we hang out with the Troma people a little bit, and they're like the nicest people in the world. Like, oh yeah, for and, sure. And Beth always goes, "We can't ask for better like booth partners." <laughs> Because they're always willing, because film geeks basically they sell posters given to them by the studios to like fundraise for like uh, various uh, filmmaking resources and whatnot. And uh, Troma is always like a big contributor, and they're always like super down to help them and stuff. Troma, Troma is good people. Um, they'll don't let their movies fool you uh, if yeah. you've never seen them. Like oh, yeah, no, they're I... they're good people with fucked up ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love them for it. I love yeah, all their yeah, fucked yeah, up yeah, ideas. Yeah. It's it's a fucked up sense of humor, but they're good people. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right, where are we at, Marvin? Yeah, uh, I guess I'm finishing it off. Uh, yeah, another so... Adam Driver movie? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I'm actually ending with a movie that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'm gonna like go into this very like, oh, I love this movie. Um, uh, it sort of came out 2014, but really came out 2015 because of the distribution issues and whatnot. Um. And it's a movie directed by Bill Polad, who hasn't really ever directed anything substantial before. He's like a producer on a lot of things like Chicago. Sorry, no, 12 Years a Slave. Sorry, I was missing the Tree of Life, um, stuff like that. Um, so he's a prolific producer. But for some reason, he decided to direct this movie instead of getting a director for it. I think it's because he's such a huge Brian Wilson fan. Uh, it's Love and Mercy, uh, which came out in oh, 2015. Yeah. I, I was really surprised by this movie. I love this movie. I thought this was the best movie of 2015 to me. And I think a lot of that is my bias and that I'm a huge Brian Wilson fan. But I think part of it also is that it's just legitimately an amazing movie. Um, if you were going to do a bi- it's a biopic about Brian Wilson. And if you're going to do a biopic about Brian Wilson, this was a really, really smart way to do it because it has parallel timelines between Brian uh, as a young younger man in the midst of just finishing off Pet Sounds, uh, about to make Good Vibrations and about to make and then fail at making Smile. Um, and young Brian is played by Paul Dano, who fucking kills it. Um, and then old Brian Wilson, who is, you know, now under the control of Eugene Landy, um, who is like apparently a psychologist, but is functionally acting as like his caretaker. He's played by John Cusack. I think we mentioned that before when we were. What movie did you bring up, Ricardo, when you were talking about uh, John Cusack? Oh, um, I forgot what I was talking about. This this was like last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should know this. But, but, but like basically, you know, um, he's you know he he's played like a he's a broken man. Like uh, he's taking all these drugs that really fucked up his. And this is all essentially true. Like, um. When he, it's heavily implied, and Brian Wilson has admitted as much that when he took LSD once, it really like fucked him up in that one moment. 
and then he hadn't really ever been the same since. Uh, so he sort of spiraled out of control from there, and it's why like Smile never really got to fully uh, coalesce because aside from the politics, he just couldn't really hold it together mentally. And it, the movie is fascinating because it keeps cutting back and forth between these two timelines, and uh, it's the the future timeline is partially, I think mostly, I should say, from the perspective of uh, his to-be wife, uh, Melinda Ledbetter, who is played by Elizabeth Banks, uh, and she does an amazing performance as well. It's one of the best performances of hers that I've seen, and it's just really, really well made. I'm surprised it did so poorly in awards, because it is. it seems like such an obvious like awards candidate for how well it was made and how good the acting was and especially like for stuff like sound design it's like got some of the best sound design i've ever heard in a movie because it uses like beach boy songs not just as music but also as like like ambiance and like sound construction it's really interesting and it's also funny because like paul giamatti is the person who plays dr eugene landy the evil um uh, what's it called the evil manager in that exact same year he plays like the evil manager from straight out of compton so for some <laughs> reason that's just a year where paul giamatti was typecast as an evil music manager i don't know <laughs> but but yeah, yeah like i this is one of my favorite movies of all time in general i think more people should see it it's also a really nice way to just experience Ryan Wilson's life in the sense that you know Beach Boys are famous for having all this these fun songs and you know having a weird legacy of like oh they were in competition with the Beatles for a long time but something happened and they fell apart and blah 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 and the modern Beach Boys is like a shell of itself because it's not even Brian Wilson it's Mike Love just pretending the Beatles or uh, the, the the Beach Boys still exist and it's just a really tender way of looking at this real life character in like a fictionalized vaguely biopic and yeah it's 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 a it's a really great movie i think as many people as, as possible should see it because i am really sad it didn't do very well even with like a 10 million dollar it's like a cheap movie overall um a 10 million dollar movie but it only made like i think it made just under like 30 million in total um, and I would like Bill Polad to direct again because I think he did a great job directing this movie. I'd love to see what else he could do. So uh, that name like looked really familiar, and I was like, "Why does that name look familiar?" And I just realized he's produced um, most of um, Terrence Malick's recent work. Yeah, 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 yeah dude. He's he <laughs> yeah. He's like his his career is as a producer. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. I feel like he could. He's one of those people where you're like, what happened? Why why didn't he keep directing? I remember seeing a BTS of of someone um, talking about him and basically saying he kept like uh, telling directors, you know, I'd love to hire for the movie, but, you know, I think it should be this way. I think someone told him, why don't you just direct it? Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was like, I, I, guess, I guess that's why he did it. But, you know, for basically, I think think it's his first major directed feature like he killed it like this is an amazing movie um i haven't really sat down and watched this i've seen this movie in parts but not all the way through 
I've seen like parts in the beginning, parts in the middle, and parts at the end, but never all the way through, just because I always catch it like on when it was on Showtime or something like that, when like some sort of channel like that, cable mm-hmm. channel. And uh, it's one of the movies that I've been like, I gotta just sit down and watch the whole thing all the way through. It's really good. Yeah. I, 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 it was a random like, oh, I just watch this, and I loved it. It was so good. I was so happy I could see it in theaters because I got to hear it with the full surround sound experience. And it sounds so good. Like the same feeling of when you're listening to like pet sounds because they because because Beach, I mean, Beach Boys music was famously mono for a long time. Right. And then when they did uh, stereo remasters of them, like it sounds like almost orgasmic how good it is, like the sound layering and stuff. And the movie kind of does that as well, but for overall sound design, which is a weird thing to say about a biopic, you know, <laughs> like that a movie, a biopic is like really stands out for its acting and sound design. Uh, but, so does it have Beach Boys music in it? Oh, yeah. Constantly throughout. Okay, okay. But it's not just they don't just needle drop like they build sound beds out of the stems of the music. It's oh, really okay, okay. interesting. Like they'll have diegetic scenes where they're just playing stuff. But like, and they'll have like parts where like, you know, they're actually playing it uh, in in scene, a part of it because they're recording and stuff like that. But there's like all these moments where like it like blends in and out of like ambience and like uh, the way, especially for younger Paul Dano, uh, for <laughs> younger Brian played by Paul Dano, who is uh, like he's like suffering from psychological issues, but also he has like a hearing issue in one, one of his ears. So that kind of reflects in the sound design as well. And it's, it's really, really interesting the way they decided to approach it. I really, really, really like Paul Dano. He's I think amazing. He's, like, he's, he's really good. And I, I just dig the choices he makes. Like he, the character he plays in Cowboys. Have you guys seen Cowboys and Aliens? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the movie is not good, but his Swiss character Army is Man? very interesting. Yeah. Swiss Army Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's awesome. I I I like I especially love him in this movie because usually Paul Dano plays either someone abrasive or he plays someone who is like kind of like 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 um like a shithead, right? Who's kind of like yeah. like yeah. like muling and like, oh okay, I'll do it, I guess. Like that kind of character. Like um, his character in Looper. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah. but but Love and Mercy, he plays just like he basically plays a tender genius who is very innocent and it's, it's like a performance. You don't see him in it very often, but he looks like he's built. He was born to play it. And he actually sang all of his performances. There's a great, um, Brian Wilson now travels with a band. Uh, his, his backup vocal band is called the, I think it's called the Wintermints. Um, if I remember correctly. And, uh, the, the, the head of the Wintermints is kind of like, uh, one of his managers. And he, he, he served as the vocal coach on this movie. And then apparently Paul Dano was trying really, really hard to sing, you know, Beach Boys music as accurately as he could. And then he was just like, can I just go falsetto? And, he, and then the <laughs> the uh, the the spirit, the Winterman's guy was like, hell, yeah, go falsetto. Go for it. That's how every, that's, that's good shit. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a I, I just I, I really love this movie. I, I it's one of those movies where I wanted to know everything about it after I watched it. I mean, like. But I'm I'm also such a huge Beach Boys fan that um uh, Brian Wilson fan specifically that uh, I just had to know more and it's just it's just a really good slice of the the biggest moments in his life. 
That that is, I dig movies that are like biopics, but they they don't take the direct approach, which is like, okay, here we're gonna tell the story, we're gonna do the beginning, middle, end, and it's like, like this is this is an interesting concept because you're like, okay, we're gonna take a young version, then an old version, two different actors. I I really dig those type of biopics. Where yeah, and then you parallel not straightforward, and even though it's like parallel edited, like you don't it is it feels so natural. Like it feels like yeah. this naturally goes straight into older Brian versus younger Brian. And at the end of the movie, there's a sequence where they it all kind of collides, and that's when you notice it, honestly. And then when you mm-hmm. notice it, it's for like dramatic effect. It's like so smartly written. I I really wish Bill Polad would do more. <laughs> uh, but yeah he seems content to be a producer i mean producers make a lot of money so i don't blame him but yeah <laughs> not in terrence malick movies but yes. <laughs> i i don't know so i love terrence malick but i don't know how he keeps getting movies made <laughs> i don't know i i assume it's just like well, it's like a pt anderson movies. right like he where it's not it's not like people just are like but but he's gonna make a great movie just just make just give him the money you know? Yeah, but but here's the thing is that like P.T. Anderson is is like you go see a P.T. Anderson movie and you're like, okay, I'm lo- I'm watching like a, a master director direct who's at the top of his game direct a movie where Terrence Malick, you're like, he's just going to experiment with some crazy fucking shit and <laughs> Lubeski is going to do some crazy camera stuff. Cool. Like, and that's it. Like, I, I understand that like he's beyond his prime. I get that. But I still am interested in his movies. <laughs> Well, that's I think that's what keeps it keeps him admirable is that yeah he's you know he's he's and he's experimenting in the right ways probably I've I've heard this uh, this one story about Terrence Malick and I've I've heard it from different from different um like interviews from different people and uh the first thing I heard was that uh, Terrence Malick's favorite movie was Zoolander <laughs> 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 which is really weird. That's and awesome. There's an interview. Oh, I don't know who is interviewing him, but there's an interview with Stephen. Uh, sorry, Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. and he's talking about they. They ask him about it. They're like, "Hey, we heard that Terrence Malick is a big fan." He's like, "Yeah, he's a huge fan." He's like, "He, we were, they were filming." Um, that he had he had talked to him before. That apparently he was talking to somebody, and they were near. They, they were in the same room as Terrence Malick, and they're like, "Oh, Terrence Malick wants to talk to you." And he's like, "Oh, that's weird." And he's like, "Terrence Malick got on the phone. He's like, I just want you to know that your Zoolander movie is one of my favorite movies of all time." <laughs> and, and then, oh. and then on Zoolander two, apparently he showed up to set because he found out that they were filming in, oh, in like Paris. So he just showed up. He's like, "I just wanted to be it's on fucking set." Baller. Because... <laughs> <laughs> he's just obsessed with Zoolander. I'm that I, I don't know why, but I love him a lot now. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, oh, he's a he's a guy who makes these weird, crazy, like serious movies and he doesn't ever want to be interviewed or photographed. He's just a big fan. He just loves stupid movies. <laughs> I love I love that. What a beautiful man. <laughs> um, Any honorable mentions before we, we sign off? There's well, already enough shit on Amazon to watch. I don't think I need to give any honorable mentions. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Well, I was I was gonna honorably mention Sinister, um, but the there's only I just had two dumb reasons. Uh, the one I can't well one I can't really mention it because it's only available on Amazon Prime for a rental. You can't actually stream it for free. But I was only gonna bring it up because it it has one of my favorite lines in it. 
of any horror movie where it's um it's uh Vincent D'Onofrio on <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a Skype chat saying the the problem you have is called the bagul. <laughs> and then I would always misremember it as you have a bagul problem. <laughs> <laughs> which which is which is what we say now. You got a bagul problem. Um Bagul, we took it too far. We took Bagul too far. <laughs> it's now a worldwide religion. I mean, look Bagul. it up. Look it up. It's it's Bagulrules. it's bagulrules.com. Bagul <laughs> uh, if you have if you have an internet connection, just look it up. It's an interesting. It's a beautiful religion ahead of its time because we really encouraged. Uh, we I don't I didn't mean to say we. I meant the religion encouraged <laughs> its followers to wash their hands. All the time. There's a, yeah. there's a ritual where you watch each, you wash each other's hands, uh, and so it's ahead of its time. So, too bad it's uh, only for rent on Sinister. Also, maybe yeah, not because yeah. Sinister's not. <laughs> yeah, only only the bagul part. Um, I will mention there. Um, there's a lot of Van Damme movies on there. If you love the the Van Damme's voice and you want to hear more of it, go down and pick yourself a Van Damme movie on Amazon. Also, uh, the last honorable mention, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, I really yeah. enjoy this movie. It's it's Kurt Russell, uh, and the quick pitch is it's kind of like a it's a it's a western mixed with a little horror mixed with cannibalism. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Kurt Russell stars in it yeah. as a. It's cowboy. a set he was on before Death. he went on to do um, the Tarantino movie. <laughs> Hateful yeah, eight. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he finishes. Yeah. He walks the, straight onto the hateful eight set. From there. He's got the he's got the mustache and the beard. I, he might have done it before, actually. You think? Or I think no. He I it, think he can. He he actually uh, chronologically did shoot it before. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think he was growing out his beard for yeah, yeah. for um for. So I may not eight. be exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So uh, check us out on you know Instagram, Twitter. Follow us if you can. Follow Marvin's uh, YouTube video game chronicles. So it's it's Fugitive Games on YouTube. Uh, and basically, we're still in the middle of Trials of Mana. We're still in the middle of Batman. Uh, but but Dan's still... Batman Arkham City, specifically. Um, but uh, And the Trials of Mana remake, specifically. But Dan's also in the middle of doing his, uh, his Animal Crossing updates. This has been like a prolific zeitgeist for Animal Crossing, right? Like I, so I, I didn't know you guys were doing that, and I just, re, I just discovered it recently, mm -hmm. and because uh, I, I, I got it, and <laughs> now I have to watch it now because I, I, I've listened to like your guys' like Batman stuff and and the other video games, um, mm -hmm. Fallout, Las Vegas, yeah, 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 but I'm like I gotta watch this because everybody's island's very different. Everybody's yeah. everybody plays that game very differently. Yeah, Dan specifically is doing museum stuff, so he's very much about <laughs> filling out his museum. Oh my god, just like comically large. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, but check that out, Fugitive Games on um on the YouTube. Old, the uh, YouTube's the link is again uh, at thefilmpodcast.com. and um, that's it. Adam, thanks for for joining us. It was a good. It wasn't Avengers Endgame. It was more like it was. We're like we're in the middle. We're like in Age <laughs> of Ultron right I now. I gotcha. All yeah. right, Age of Ultron. Eventually, we'll get to the end game.
We'll you want to get away happens. from Age of Ultron as fast as possible. Though. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, follow us on all those platforms if you can. That would help us. Tell a friend. And until next time, hey, be cool. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.